Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good things. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the end of another week, even if it is Friday the 13th. Nothing ominous is going to happen, I guarantee you. Uh, of course, I'm joined today sitting over here is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Oh, uh, there it is. This is now what we call the wet cam. <laughs> sitting back there, we got Ray Ora. Back there, we got Taylor Jonathan. Gonzalez. Jonathan Taylor. Boyko running the show today. And of course, Chris Carr is in here joining right. us today, too. Looking lovely, by the way. Nice Oh, my gosh, thank you. And most importantly... You guys are here today. Thank you so much for joining us and making this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. First part of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second part of the show, it's Friday, so we're opening up the Super Chats. If you guys have thoughts, theories, questions, or opinions, just wait till we get to the end of the main topics, and we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. And that will be your time to fire in your thoughts, theories, and opinions, and we will address those in the second part of the show. Also, a little bit of housekeeping here, guys. If you need your daily fix of the John Campion Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, good news, there's an audio-only version simply called the John Campion Show Podcast. Just go and find it on your favorite podcasting app of choice and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, with that down, guys, let's get things started here with a few off the top. So we're going to start off with this. Now, whenever you say, you can ask the question almost in any circle, in any 7-Eleven or any street corner in any country in the world. Greatest composer, <laughs> film-wise, of all time, at least 80% of the people are going to say one name, John Williams. And we have been, you know, the guy who is now turning 90. This is a guy who deserves all the time on the beach that he wants. He is more than fulfilled his obligations and duty to the film fan community over the course of six decades or seven decades of doing this stuff. And we've been talking a lot about his retirement. He's been slowing down pretty soon. He's retired. You know, he'll do this and that. Well, maybe not. John Williams was recently doing an interview and basically he's come out and said, I ain't going anywhere, Jack. I just love music too much. Now this is what it says. I'm reading this from our friends over at slash film it said, luckily for us, however, Williams seems to have changed his mind about retirement, revealing that he is not stepping down from film music. According to Entertainment Weekly, the composer talked at an at an e event celebrating the Fablemans and the 50-year collaboration between John Williams and Steven Spielberg and expressed his desire to continue working. I'll stick around for a while, he said. I can't retire from music. A day without music is a mistake. I love that. A day without music is a mistake. So, the 90-year-old composer, I suppose the reports of his retirement have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, well, also, he was the one who kind of told people he was getting ready to retire. But here we go. <laughs> He's back. Look, here's the funny thing about it. He has not diminished in any way. When you listen to his like his newer stuff, like with the, the movies he's got, his the effectiveness and the power and the 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 symmetry, if you will, that his music always has with the movies that they're playing with has not eroded in the least. And you're talking about a guy, my God, this is the one guy, this, all these done by the same guy, the Harry Potter theme, Indiana Jones, Superman, Jurassic Park, Star Wars. I mean, it, it, we just go on and on. All of the most iconic themes ever. It's like if you put together a list of the 20 most iconic themes, probably 
12 to 14 of them are just going to be his. Anyway, I love hearing that he's going to keep doing it. If he still loves what he's doing and he's still the best in the world at it, I think this is great news. Rob, you hear John Williams saying, yeah, you know what? I thought about retiring, but not yet. He released a piece of music this week. Yes, yeah, he, he scored. Did. He scored the theme. He wrote a theme for the college football championship. I mean, that's who would have thought, you know, I mean, his Olympic theme still being used now. I mean, the guy uh, is unflappable. I, I'm so glad that he is deciding not to retire. Look, maybe we can see him at the Hollywood Bowl next summer. You know, you never know. I, I, I would not be surprised. I, I think, look, it has shown that that creativity does keep people vibrant, keep people alive. Keep your mind sharp. He, what if he has another 10 years left him? How's the saying go? We don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. That's it. Yeah. And if I you're, lo- that, that's him. I mean, we don't even understand how, in terms of consciousness, how the brain, how brain activity works and how whatever chemicals the brain creates through this kind of creation and what it does to the longevity of the body. But I think if they ever do decide to do that kind of research, John Williams is the guy that they could probably start with. Yeah, probably. John Hopkins has been doing studies on that about how it reduces anxiety, blood pressure, and keeps your synapses firing much better if you are a musically inclined person. It's why they also have Alzheimer's patients listen to music, particularly things that they listened to when they were young, because it reignites those memories, because there's just a different kind of way that your neuropathways form with music. Yeah. Well, that's why, I don't know if you noticed, I'm, I've moved... Uh, my keyboard, I got my uh, got my keyboard is in there now. I got I'm setting up my music station again. Gotta gotta fight the Alzheimer's. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, I just look. I, I don't expect John Williams to be as active as he was. But you know, you bring up the Hollywood Bowl thing. One of my favorite things, without exaggeration, one of my absolute favorite things every year that Ann and I go to is John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl, and we've been going for many years now. But I feel like for the last six years. The tickets become available and we're like, well, we got to get them because this is probably his last one. And then five years ago, the tickets came on sale. And as it gets closer and closer to it being his last one, the prices have gone up. Right. So it's like, but then we got to get them because this is probably going to be his last one. Then four years ago, we said the same. Then this year, we said the same thing. But yeah, he's probably going to be back this year. And I'm as long as he keeps playing those concerts, man, I'm going to keep going. It's always like a magical evening. Anyway, guys, question is for you. You're hearing that John Williams ain't hanging him up yet. He's still going to keep doing what he's doing, which I think is great for the movie industry as a whole. How do you guys feel about that? What's your favorite piece of John Williams music? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, you know, it's Friday. So let's get over to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. But let's do two of them. Let's double up on it here today. So we're going to do two guys. If you have a question that you'd like to ask us on the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline anytime 24 seven at 951-268-4259. And uh, maybe you'll have a chance to hear it on the show. So we got a couple of them. Jonathan, what's our first one? Hi, John and crew. This is Spencer from Florida. I just got a question. I just remember all the Leonardo DiCaprio and Star Wars stuff that him being obsessed with Star Wars. And I saw him talking about how he forced Jonah Hill to watch The Mandalorian. And I was just wondering, why haven't we seen him in a Star Wars movie or show? Probably a movie because he's just the greatest. Thanks. All right, Spencer. Thanks a lot for calling that in. And, you know, I remember hearing a while ago uh, stuff going around that, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is a big Star Wars fan. And I thought, hmm. 
I don't, I don't know if I buy it. He doesn't he doesn't seem I don't know. This 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 is very limiting of me to say, but he doesn't seem the type. I don't know. I think that's maybe very narrow focused to me, mm. but maybe he doesn't seem the type. But then, you know, when when um Don't Look Up was coming out, which Leonardo DiCaprio did with a thousand other high profile actors, including Jonah Hill. And they were talking to Jonah Hill about it, and like Jonah was like, Leo would not stop. He was just constantly trying to get me to watch different Star Wars things. And he like absolutely like forced me to watch Mandalorian. He's like, you have to watch Mandalorian. Baby Yoda, man. Greatest thing in the world. Didn't impress Jonah Hill. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the rumors apparently of DiCaprio like being a major Star Wars. And of course, there was a lot of rumors back in the day when the prequels were coming out. I remember there was a lot of talk about maybe Leonardo DiCaprio being in a, there was an opportunity to have him in a prequel or something along those lines. Anyway, big, big fan of Star Wars. So why has he not been in a Star Wars movie or TV show? Well, it's always funny fielding questions about why hasn't this actor done this, right? Done this movie or whatever. And the the real reality is, is like, well, that's the wrong question. The question is, why would the actor have done that? I mean, for every role there is in a Star Wars movie, there are 50,000 aspiring and professional actors around the world that want that one role all the time. And listen, Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the best in the business. He is. But maybe it's an issue of his schedules. Maybe it's an issue of the fact that, hey, I love Star Wars, but I don't want to be in a Star Wars movie. Maybe to him that breaks the magic of it. I don't know. The most likely scenario is also there's never really been a Star Wars character or role that was right for Leonardo DiCaprio. And again, I would say talent comes first. So it would have been great. I mean, if he's if had he ever done one, that's great. It would have been wonderful. But I don't see why. And listen, 80% of the actors in Hollywood are major, major Star Wars fans. That doesn't mean there's, by the way, there's not enough Star Wars roles to go around. There's very, very few of them. So would I be down to see Leonardo DiCaprio? In a Star Wars movie? Maybe. I mean, he's certainly a great talent, but I mean, he's so big that, I don't know, it'd be kind of like having, I don't know, like Denzel Washington suddenly popping up a Star Wars. Like, he's so big, I wonder if that would be a little bit distracting yeah, or if it would break the, right. as you would say, the verisimilitude of the, or the, you know, the kayfabe that they're setting up with it, <laughs> yeah. right? I. <laughs> I just, I don't know if it would ever be a good idea. So I think there's a question about whether he'd even want to do it, even though he's a huge Star Wars fan, whether there's ever been a role that's right for him. And maybe he's just too big to be in something like Star Wars. I don't know, Rob, why do you think we haven't seen a, a Leo DiCaprio in a Star Wars movie? Well, clearly, because Martin Scorsese hasn't directed one yet. <laughs> that's probably but, it. But no, in all honesty, like if you think about uh, Calvin Candy in, um, yep. in uh, Django, Django. Uh, I look at that performance let him play a sith a sith lord i mean i would love to see him play a bad guy in the star wars universe somebody that we haven't seen before maybe in knights of the old republic or maybe a high republic thing let Some... him be thrawn Leonardo, yeah, you, you heard know hear, what you heard to hear folks ladies and gentlemen leo dicaprio's grand admiral thrawn there you go you're welcome internet Thank you, guys. it's an opinion piece but we'll take it as fact <laughs> yeah <that's> uh, right. <laughs> That's, I mean, I'd be there for that. But I think, you know, his portrayal of Calvin Candy, we'd never seen him play a villain like that. He threw himself into that role. And he was clearly having a great time. I think that, you know, there, Star Wars needs a charismatic... We had Vader. We need, we need a real 
a villain. And I mean, like, look, I like Giancarlo Esposito. He's cool. But I want a, just a theatrical, operatic, big bad in the star, whatever they're going to do. I, I don't know where I'm going to get that from, but Leonardo DiCaprio could do something like that. Chris, uh, you know, especially with all the stories coming out recently, like uh, with Jonah Hill just saying in, in his recent interview about the whole Mandalorian thing, I don't know. Like, he's a big name. He's a successful actor. You think he maybe would have his pick of roles. Why do you think we haven't seen Leonardo DiCaprio in a Star Wars movie up till now? And do you think we could eventually? Well, there's a few th- things to come here. Like, one, would it take you out of the universe? Would it s- help you not suspend your disbelief if you go... That's Leonardo DiCaprio. Would we all become the Hollywood meme of him staring and pointing at a television? <laughs> yeah. We all do that too, right? Yeah. And and I do think Thrawn actually is a great example because if he was in makeup or prosthetics or something, maybe that could help with that. Would he be willing to do that is a whole other discussion. Um, but also as a fan, do you want to be part of your fandom or do you just want to enjoy it? You know, you have some actors like um, David Tennant or Peter Capaldi, who were, you know, diehard Doctor Who fans. Peter Capaldi was the president of the Doctor Who fan club and would write to BBC about it. And then they got to be part of the show and live their dream. It doesn't always work out really great, though, like that, where you could be a huge Star Wars fan and then maybe you end up in the prequels or something of that nature. You know, you end in a lackluster project. So I don't know if you as a fan would want to participate in that. I'm sure if he said he'd be open to it, people at Disney would contact him. Why wouldn't you? He makes great movies. He's a great actor. But I think it's probably up to him. Look, Uh, turn that into like a red lightsaber. Boom. Yeah, then you're (laughs) set. Crazy old Sith living in the woods. I'd I'd see that. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? I mean, Leonard Capra is a big Star Wars fan. He's one of the most celebrated actors in the world. He's an Academy Award winner. Why do you think we haven't seen him in a Star Wars movie up to this point? And maybe even more importantly, do you think we ever could? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another Mint Mobile hotline question of the day, shall we? What do we got up next? Hey, guys. This is Josh, and I love the new Ant-Man trailer personally, but something that I remember you guys saying, especially you, John, is that there's there's a good chance that Scott dies in this movie. And the trailer made it seem like there's going to be a lot of Scott. Listen, I think that the multiverse stuff and, and all of that is, I, I agree, it's kind of, it can lead to lazy writing and almost no one has any consequences. But if Scott Lang dies, I'm going to freaking lose it. So, I don't know. What do you guys think are the actual chances of Scott dying now that we have a second trailer? Thanks. We do now. All right, there we go. Um, so let's try this again, shall we? Um, with the new movie coming out, I mean, everybody's been asking for in the MCU for a while now. Whenever a new MCU movie comes out, does the main character die, right? We go into Thor, Love, and Thunder. Is Thor going to die? We go into Doctor Strange and Multiverse Madness. Everybody's asking, does Doctor Strange die in it? So sure, naturally, with the new Ant-Man movie coming out, that is now just a month and a couple of days away, a lot of people are asking, does he die? Now, we touched on this a little bit in, I think, one of our uh, uh, Q&A sessions for a bit. But I think there's a couple of arguments here on both sides. And I'm going to present them to you here. You tell me what you think. So on the he does die side of the equation here, there's a few things. Number one, the MCU does seem to be in a transitional period right now where they're kind of brushing out the old to bring in the new a process that has to happen, you know, and, and things in cycles. Some might say they've been doing it a little too harshly and a little too quickly. Like 
I felt like in phase four, every five minutes we're being introduced to eight new MCU characters. But that does kind of seem to be what they're doing. That, you know, Scarlett Johansson is gone, theoretically. Robert Downey Jr. is gone, for at least now. Uh, Chris Evans is gone. He'll be back. Uh, like, so they've been going through this process. And even Hawkeye seemed to be a transitional type of show where really it seems like the only reason that show existed was to show Hawkeye passing on the the mantle, if you will. Because I, I I mean, listen, I'll do respect to everybody who liked the show. That's great if you did. I didn't like the show, even though I like Jeremy Renner a lot and I like the character of Hawkeye a lot. But that being said, so with that being the trend, hey, Scott Lang's Ant-Man, that puts that very much on the table of him dying. The second big thing argument you can make about the maybe speculating that he dies in this thing is, who is Ant-Man to Kang? I mean, that that is not a battle that Scott Lang... Now, again, we got to see the context of the movie. But a straight-up battle, that is not a battle a Scott Lang can go into and walk out alive, right? So that's the other thing. The third thing is we do see him getting the living snot kicked out of him in the trailer. That's fine. We've seen lots of superhero movies where in the trailers we see the hero getting beat up. But there is that too. And then there comes the question about how long does Paul Rudd want to play this character? Right? It, it's surprisingly... Because look it up, Taylor, but what was the year that the first Ant-Man movie came out? Uh, I can't remember exactly what year, but Paul Rudd has been playing this character for a number of years now. 2015. So he's been playing this character for eight years. Eight years he's been playing this character. The other thing, the last one I'll point out here is that while I love Ant-Man, and I think his is like my second favorite sub-franchise within the MCU, I love him and I love Paul Rudd in this role. Reality is Ant-Man is not one of the more important characters in the MCU. So if you're looking for high-profile deaths to happen in your cinematic universe, Scott Lang can be one of them. Okay, so there's all that. Those are all the arguments for why I think you can go into Ant-Man Quantumania kind of thing he's going to die. However, there's the other side of the coin too. And this is what I brought up in our conversation the other day. Was I think in the midst of all the turnover and turmoil... I think Kevin Feige understands that you can't do what, you know, the asshats over at Hasbro did when they released that abomination of a Transformers animated movie back in the 80s, where in the first 10 minutes, they literally killed everybody. Listen, I understand. I recognize I need some therapy here because I have not let this go for however many decades it's been, but you'll never understand how angry I was as a kid. I had spent so many, I mean, you understand, I was younger. So a lot of the years of my life when I was younger had been spent and dedicated to collecting all of these damn Transformers toys, putting up their, uh, cutting their images out of the boxes that I bought them and putting them up on my walls, all that kind of stuff. Yay, a new Transformers movie. Sit down and literally, first five minutes, all dead. They're all dead, kids. Fuck you. Go tell your parents you need uh, you need them to give you some money because you got to go buy the new Transformers. But anyway, sorry, I won't go off on that again. So I'm still very bitter about Do that. I... Anyway, so I don't think Marvel wants to be in that same situation, right? We need transition, but it can't just be a big broom that everything's gone now, everything's new. And I think maybe holding on to somebody that people really like Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is a cherished figure in movies for a lot of people. And I think maybe a very good argument for keeping him around the MCU is to be at least one of the stabilizing factors. We've got Hulk sticking around, but 
I don't know what the hell they're doing with Hulk, to be honest with you. I, I don't think they've known what to do with Hulk for a couple of years now. But still, he's there. Um, Paul Wright could be another one of those good ambassadors. Anyway, Rob, we, we've, we've brought this up in private conversations now and again, but we are now getting closer. We just got the new trailer. Does Scott Lang die in Ant-Man Quantumania? No. I think many Scott Langs die in Quantumania. Those are Scott's tots. Um, no, I think I think we're going to see many variations of Scott <laughs> Lang Scott's destroyed. Tots. Many variants, are, but the actual Scott Lang, our Scott Lang, Scott Lang Prime, Scott Lang six one six, call him what you want. He's going to survive, but I don't think he necessarily gets out of the quantum realm. I think whatever happens, he has to stay with Kang. It's sort of a cliffhanger, and they leave it at that. Now I have no knowledge of this. But I would assume we see lots of Scott Langs die, and our Scott Lang ends up remaining behind and sad. Because you know what? He's also a dad, and they've been leaning into the relationship he has with his daughter. I just don't see them killing him off because of that. And I think that I think it'd actually be kind of cool if he has to stay with Kang to fulfill whatever promise he has to make to Kang to save everyone else's lives. Well, the trailer made it look like he already did keep his promise and Kang didn't. Because remember, he says, hey, we had a deal. So Could I'd, be. I don't know. Also, Chris, we can't forget that this is the Marvel Cinematic Fake Death Universe. Yeah. So, I mean, even no if they did dead. kill him, he could return in five minutes. But but still, yeah. that being said, does, and I'm glad you brought up the difference, Rob, between all the different Scott Langs. But does the Scott Lang die in I Ant still think the Scott Lang dies, hmm. but I do think then we are going to have a moment of we have to do a deal with Kang or there's some kind of time variation or something of that nature where we bring him back. I think there has to be some kind of real stake in this one. Um, but again, because it is the Marvel no one dies forever universe except for Black Widow, I guess. Um, you know, we have to we have to do something like this. And I think that we are going to have Scott make some kind of sacrifice and then Cassie's going to make a whoopsie doodle deal. Oh, I'm actually still wondering if this is even the Kang, the ultimate Kang, because Ooh. we've already seen one of the Kang before this. Is this even the Kang Dynasty Kang? It's not his final form. I mean, I, I don't know. That's the other option. Another like, Kang could arrive in this Scott movie. Literally, could end up killing Kang. And then we go, you know, you know, pull a Yoda. No, there is another. Yeah. You know, the, the, <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden there's a whole bunch more Kangs coming. I mean, that's a possibility, too. So I don't know. It's a good question. Guys, question is for you. What do you think? We're still a little bit away, but it's closer than ever. We got Ant-Man Quantumania is now just a little over a month away. We got the most recent trailer. Do you think the Scott Lang is going to die in this movie or do you think he survives and moves on? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to get into our main topics here. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's show, our friends at Helix and ExpressVPN. Guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, Helix Sleep. Guys, let me tell you, just a couple of days ago, Ann and I received our Helix mattress, and it is the best mattress we have ever slept on in our entire lives. We had like this $3,000 specialized mattress that we got like five, six years ago, and we liked it very much, but this one completely outdoes it. It's night and day. 
and you can get matched with your perfect mattress too. See, Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just like a minute to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way that you sleep. I hopped online, took the Helix quiz, and Anna and I were matched with the perfect mattress for us. And it is so easy to set up. Simply take it out of the box, get it positioned on your mattress, take off the plastic, and then give it an hour or two to breathe to reach its full size, and you will not believe how comfortable this thing is. All you got to do is go to helixsleep.com slash Campia. Take their 60-second sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And it's risk-free. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. And here's the best part. Helix is offering up to $200 off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at Helix. HelixSleep.com slash Campia. We want to thank one of the sponsors of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, you ever hear of data brokers? They're the middlemen collecting and selling all those digital footprints you leave online. They can stitch together detailed profiles which include your browsing history, online searches, and location data. They then sell your profile off to a company who delivers you a targeted ad. No biggie, right? Well, you might be surprised to learn that these same data brokers are also selling your information to government agencies like the Department of Homeland Security and the IRS. And you you don't want the tax man showing up your door because of some search you did on your phone. So mask your digital footprints and protect yourself with ExpressVPN. One of the easiest ways for brokers to aggregate data and tie it back to you is through your device's unique IP address, which also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to ExpressVPN, your IP address is hidden. That makes it much more difficult for data brokers to identify who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of network traffic to keep your data safe from hackers on public public Wi-Fi. So make sure your online activity and data is protected with the best VPN money can buy. Visit expressvpn.com campia right now and get three extra months free through my special link. That's expressvpn.com campia. And thank you to our friends at Helix who honestly give me the best night's sleep I've ever had and ExpressVPN for being sponsors of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down into the description of this video right near the top, you'll see links and promo codes for all of our sponsors. And again, thank you to Helix and ExpressVPN. Okay, guys, let's get into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics on the show where that's where you guys come in because you guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you'll see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campius Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic is going to come from Thomas. Dear John and gang, in a recent interview, Matt Reeves stated that he was going to meet Gunn and Saffron in the next few weeks to know more about their DCU plan, which we are supposed to get news about in the next few days. He also stated that his Batverse would stay its own thing. What can this mean? No Batman in the DCU or multiple Batmen, contrary to Zaslav instructions? This seems messy, don't you think? Thanks. 
All right, Thomas, thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, a lot of the big questions have been going around about with the new regime coming into, well, it's not even a new regime. There's a brand new studio. DC Studios is its own studio for the first time. They have the new heads, James Gunn, Peter Safran. But besides the questions about what will James Gunn and Peter Safran do with this DC universe, what kind of world are they going to create? The other question has been, how will this affect an ongoing thing that DC has in Matt Reeves's The Batman? Will... Matt Reeves is the Batman continue to be its own thing. Will it be absorbed into the DC, you know, universe that James Gunn is creating? A lot of people have always ask these questions. We've told people for a long time, it's going to be staying its own separate thing. But now Matt Reeves has told everybody, yes, it's, it's going to be its own thing. It's moving on. Now, as far as, is it messy? I don't think it's messy at all. I don't think it's remotely messy. I actually, I've been calling for co these comic book studios Going back six, seven years, I've been calling for them to create some side, you know, independent movies that are outside of the shared cinematic universe. So you, the storytellers can have more creative freedom to tell some really cool, interesting stories that you simply can't do within shared cinematic universes because your hands get handcuffed because of all the continuity going on in all the other movies that are outside of the director's control. I love my shared cinematic universe movies. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't have to be either or. It should be a both and. Anyway, addressing this right on, Matt Reeves talked about the fact that they are separate, but that he is getting together to talk with James Gunn. This comes to us from Matt Reeves, uh, who said the following. We've talked a few times, talking about him and James Gunn. Um, we've talked a few times. I'm supposed to get together with him and Peter sometime this month. Uh, they've been working feverishly uh, doing what they're doing, and I've been working hard with my partners on what we're doing, all of our shows and stuff. So we're going to have a sit down where we talk about everything that's going on and what the arcs of these two things are. I'm excited to hear about what they're doing. They have big. They have a big plan, and I have a big plan and I have this big bat first plan. Uh, it's just about us really getting to know each other. That's going to be fun. And of course, that comes to us from Matt Reeves. And of course, it's important because James Gunn and Peter Safran are now kind of going to be the people over Matt Reeves's Batman movie. But I love the fact, listen, there's been a number of things that James Gunn and Peter Safran have done that have really impressed me. Like we've talked about the fact that, you know, they didn't send a text message to Henry Cavill. They got together and sat down with Henry Cavill. Yeah. Right? They he they had a discussion with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They could have just sent minions to deliver decrees and stuff like that, but they actually, in the first days of taking over, they set up meetings, they sat down, and they actually talked face-to-face -face with people or communicated directly with them regardless. One of the things I love about this story is that, you know if James Gunn was some kind of control freak? The first thing he would have done when he walked in is says, summon Matt Reeves to my office. And I, I want to, I want him to explain to me what he's doing in the new Batman. Movie. I'm going to tell him what I want to do. No, you know what he's done? He's diving in and all the other stuff, but he knows Matt Reeves is doing great with Batman. So he's like, I don't need to get in his way right now. He's doing the Batman movie. He did a great thing with the first one. He's got all of his momentum going with developing and writing the second one right now. Just stay out of his way. It's a separate thing. Doesn't matter. We'll catch up when we can catch up. It's not that important. I loved hearing that. I absolutely loved hearing that. It just really shows me again that James Gunn and Peter Safran understand how to set priorities and to follow them. I love it. Now, again, back to the question about is it going to be messy? I don't think it's going to be messy at all. Also, we, we've talked about this a couple of times. The David Zaslav comment about multiple Batman has been misconstrued. And we talked about the very first day that he made the comment. Because if you read David Zaslav's actual statement, he didn't say there could not be more than one. 
he was just emphasizing that you're not going to have a bunch of them. You're not going to have a bunch of Batman running around, right? That doesn't mean you can't have two, one in its own separate storyline and one that lives in the DCEU. I think that's great. That is what I have wanted for many years. So I'm happy that they're doing it. And um, it's going to be neat to see how both of these progress. But no, we're not going to see them cross over anytime. And nor should we. Uh, like, Rob, we've made the point before that Matt, one of the things that's great about Matt Reeves' Batman is the whole tone and the DNA of that Batverse is not a universe that a flying alien with laser beams coming out of his eyes can right. live in, right? The DCU can do that. That world that Matt Reeves created doesn't fit. I don't know. What do you think about the comments we just heard? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Look, Matt Reeves has created his singular, the same way Nolan did it, he did his own thing too. The tone is different. People talk about how it's very Fincher-esque, and it is. Batman, I mean, I'll tell you what shocked me about that movie was at the beginning of the film, Batman walks into a crime scene packed with police. Yeah. You know, that was that was immediately it announced itself as something new and different that we hadn't seen before. And I I I loved it for being that. And like you said, it's not part of a larger universe. It's its own thing. And we as viewers, we understand. We watched Nolan's Bat trilogy. In Nolan's universe, there were no other superheroes. It was just Batman and Gotham City. And I think that's easy to understand. We are savvy audience members now. We've seen it all. We've been here for a long time. And I think that again, what they're going to design also is going to be its own singular thing. It's going to be a universe that is not a bunch of disparate filmmakers. It's coming from a place of design up front. They're going to invite other people to play in this sandbox. But like Kevin Feige and Luis Desposito and Victoria Alonso, Marvel created a thing, a framework. Other directors come in and work within that framework, but there's still a framework. And we haven't had that at DC before. It's been willy-nilly. It's been all over the place. And I think what Peter Safran and James Gunn are going to do is create this latticework of what they want from this universe. And they're going to even say to filmmakers what Kevin Feige did. Hey, because James Gunn was one of them. He was one of the filmmakers. Kevin Feige said, come here. Here are the parameters you need to work with it. I mean, and I think James Gunn is going to take a page from that book and be like, okay, come play in this sandbox and the batman that they create for that sandbox is going to be very different from what matt reeves is doing yeah so it's going to be very distinguishable both in look and tone so i think it's going to work great and uh, john i think we'll get it i yeah. think we're smart I, savvy I assume, enough I to understand. we'll get it yeah we'll, I get it. we'll understand and it'll be great it'll be fun chris i mean we're, we're now hearing these comments from matt reeves talking about it i hear them all the time yeah <laughs> where i mean there are still going to be people that would want to see because a lot of people love the Batman movie. So it's understandable that a lot of people would then say, well, I'd love to see that Batman character that I loved in the Matt Reeves movie. I would love to see him interact with a Green Lantern and with a Superman and with an Oliver Queen. I mean, I, I get that. Yeah, well, we love the character. But I don't know, like hearing his comments, do you think that will ever really be in the cards for, for this Robert Pattinson Batman? I mean, potentially we could move on to Crisis on Infinite Earths with these characters, right? And we can have them all in their pocket universes doing their own thing. And then maybe one day they all come together. But if they don't, that's not a big deal. I mean, we talked about this ad nauseum on this show that viewers are smart enough to understand, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, he's not hanging out with, you know, the Justice League and duking it out with Henry Cavill, right? We understood that was a totally different thing than Jared Leto's Joker. You can have all these different characters and it's totally fine. 
if Pattinson were to come in and play with everybody in the big sandbox, though, that'd be super, super fun. I love his Batman. I think it's great. It's gritty. But it just depends on what kind of universe they all want to build if they want to build to that at some point. Is that what they're going to come right out the gate with? Absolutely not. You're not going to be like, hey, by the way, we just created this new universe. There's multiple universes. Let's destroy them all. That'd be a wild choice. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about Matt Reeves' comments here and him basically kind of laying out that, yeah, there's the DCU and there's this pocket Batman universe. I think that's the way for them to go. I think that's how they're going to enjoy their biggest success. They've already shown they've had huge success with this formula with both the Joker and the Batman now. Anyway, what do you guys think is going to happen here? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Ronnie. Hey, John and crew. With the recent price increase of HBO Max, it got me thinking, why is the price going up? We now have more streaming services than ever before and more amazing shows. The whole point of competition and a lack of monopolies are to encourage companies to lower prices to increase customers, yet they just keep going up and up. I know the production budgets are going up, but they got to realize it can only go so far. Can you please help me understand their economic process? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right, Ronnie, thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, listen, the cost of having streaming services has, is a big topic of conversation amongst those of us who, well, I mean, I think a lot of us are cable covered. Being a cable cutter now does not make you in the minority. I think, I don't know a lot of people that have cable anymore. So, no. but that has been one of the big topics of conversation, especially recently, where in recent months we've had HBO, Netflix, Disney Plus, all institute more price hikes, right? We're seeing that happen. Ronnie, if I'm understanding you right, is asking, listen, don't they get that prices are supposed to go down and you're going to price people out and all that kind of stuff? And look, you, you raise a really good point. But as we sit down and look at why are we seeing all these price hikes happen within these streaming companies and, and things like that, there's a couple of basic fundamental things we have to understand. The first thing is this. When Apple came out, with Apple TV Plus and announced $4.99. By the way, it still is $4.99. But don't believe for a second it's going to stay that for long. But we all said right up front, oh, they're doing this at a loss right now because they know they need to get some market share, right? We know that in the world of Netflix and, and all these other things, that if you're going to come in with a new Apple, you know, a competitor here, you got to come in with a low price to try to get some market share, but but it's going to be at a loss, and so they're going to have to raise the prices later once they carve out some market share. So there's that. We said the same thing when Disney Plus was launched. It's like because what it, it launched at six nine seven ninety nine six ninety nine something six, like that. It was like Disney Plus. I feel like it was uh, five ninety nine because I remember it like might have been five, but it was five six or seven. Yeah. Right, it was in that neighborhood. But we all said, oh, we ain't going to stay at that. Because they're going to go out of business. They're just simply going to go out of business when they do. Because look, if you own an Apple cart, this is a simple thing. You own an Apple cart on the corner and it costs you 15 cents per Apple that you acquire to sell. And you only sell the apples at 12 cents. Well, that means the more business to do you do, the more in debt you're going. If it takes you 15 cents to acquire each Apple that you have and then you sell them for 12, you're going to go out of business. There's no business there. You might get a lot of more customers, but every time a customer comes to you, you're getting poorer and poorer and poorer until you're going to run out of business. The fact, the reality is 
that in this new world of streaming, a lot of these streamers are operating at costs that are not sustainable. Some of them are. that We're getting into that area. Now we got $15, $16, $17 a month. We're getting into that area, but like Apple TV Plus for $4.99. Apple's got all the money in the world, so they can float that for a bit, but those prices are going to be going up too. So that's the first thing, right? That a lot of them initially are operating at a loss. The second thing is this. Let's go back to the Apple analogy. Let's say when you opened your Apple cart last week, uh, you were acquiring the apples for $0.10 a piece and you're selling them for $0.15 a piece. Great. Every new customer you get, you're making $0.05. But since you opened your Apple cart, the price of those apples, the price of you getting those apples on your cart has ballooned from $0.10 an apple to $0.17 an apple. Well, you can't keep your prices at $0.15 an apple. You can't. Now, you can raise the price, and then one of your neighbors, Bob, who's never returned your lawnmower, comes over to you and says, don't you know you're going to lose customers this way? You should be lowering your prices, but but you, you can't. Because without increasing your prices, every apple you sell, you get poorer and poorer and poorer. That is the basic. Now, look, I'm oversimplifying it a, a thousand times. I totally acknowledge I am. But that's the basic fundamentals here. You can be at a, a price that works for you, but as inflation, property acquisition, production costs, as all these things go up, suddenly your price that was making you a little bit of a profit is now suddenly costing you, and every new member you get signed up to your service is actually driving you closer to bankruptcy. The third thing to keep in mind is this. I've said this for many years. When you look at what you get for $15 a month on all of the the major ones, on Netflix, on uh, Disney Plus, on HBO Max, when you look what you get on each of those things for $15 and the sheer library that all three of those services have, that is still a value proposition. I mean, it still is. To get all of them, it becomes really expensive and we need to make choices. But anyway, those are the reasons that the prices go up. They can't just go like to hell with us going out of business. Let's lower our prices. You can't do that. Anyway, Chris, uh, you we've had these conversations about like we're getting to the point now that we're going to all of us are going to have to start becoming a little bit more picky and choosy. Like right now, a new streaming service comes out. I sign up to it, but we're not going to be able to do that for much longer as the prices go up. What would you say to somebody like Ronnie who's coming out and say, look, this isn't the way the market's supposed to work. Competition is supposed to drive prices down. How would you respond to that? Well, I mean, you you still have to pay for something what it actually truly is worth, right? And right now I can have a cup of coffee at Starbucks or I could have Apple TV is kind of how I think of it. And that one fancy like Trenta latte is my month of entertainment for really, really great shows. So for me, I don't think this is an egregious price in any way, shape or form. That's my personal opinion. We also have to look at, though, too, we're also now getting rid of people being able to share passwords. So that's another thing that people, I think, are... (laughs) I'm so sorry, Ray. I didn't mean to betray you. Um, But, you know, I think that's a reason why everyone now is going, oh, my gosh, when you add all these up, it's really a lot of money. 
Yeah, if you have every single streaming service and you're the one paying for it, it is a lot of money, right? So you do just have to become a more choosy consumer. Now, what I think is going to be great about that is when people start making these choices, then these streaming services are going to go, okay, what can we actually put on here? We need to think quantity over quality, or are we really going to focus on nostalgia like Peacock? You know, they have The Office, they have Parks and Rec. People love doing those rewatches. It's so comforting. You know how it goes. Your brain is going to just be in a nice rest mode. Rob so, doesn't know how it goes. He's never seen the true. office. That's true. We've got our office version That's very, very that's true. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think what's great about this, though, ultimately, is that it's going to make the content better. So I can totally understand why someone thinks that this is not how this should go economically. But I think you summed it up really, really well. And hopefully what this will do is it'll drive better content to these streaming platforms. Because one of the things Ron says in the thing is, is not wrong. Like, competition in the marketplace is what's supposed to drive prices down. Sure. The problem is when everybody starts in deficit and everybody starts their services operating with unsustainable prices at, and operating at a loss, it has to unfortunately go up. How high? Well, those are discussions to come. But anyway, Rob, you're what Ronnie's asking. How would you respond? To well, I would say in a way there's not competition here, not in the traditional sense, because like, for instance, Apple and Amazon, they're making shows is not their core business. Like Apple is making stuff to go on their products. Their products are phones, tablets, computers. Amazon, this is just an adjunct. It's basically Amazon. You're buying Amazon Prime. You're paying into Prime, which is to get boxes from them to ship you their product. And their shows are just a product of that. It's an offshoot. They could probably, I don't know how they do their taxes, but they can chalk it all up to marketing costs, whatever they're paying for their shows or acquiring MGM, however they're going to want to do that. But Disney, they're not competing with HBO. Disney's Disney. And it's like, do you want to buy Disney? And their product is, un they have their library. There's nothing that HBO has that you can say, other than the fact it's movies and stuff we watch. But Disney's their own brand, and they're going to do whatever the hell they want. And it really depends, do you want to buy Disney? Look what they do with their parks. There aren't like other rival parks that rival. I mean, there are other amusement parks, but Disneyland and Disney World are in their cruise lines. It's Disney. If you want to buy into that stuff, no one's going, well, I'm not going to go to Disney Light and pay less. There's only one Disney. HBO, like you said, and we've always said on the show, they're the Tiffany standard of this streaming. Do you want access to what they have for you? There's no other place you're going to get Sex in the City or The Sopranos or The Wire or House of the Dragon or... Now the last of us. That's it. You can't go somewhere else. They are the only people that have it. And what it comes down to is what entertainment do you as a consumer want? Mm. And what's great is, I think what's great is, yeah, Disney can't go 50 bucks a month. I mean, they have to be competitive to a certain extent. But eventually they might get there because Disney doesn't care. They ultimately are like, it costs $230 to get into Disneyland for you today. What are you going to do? Say, well, you either not go or you pay. I, know, I go to Universal Studios. I know you do. and and <laughs> But I do think I do think that what's going to happen is consumers churn is going to be a regular factor because we just can't. It's like anything else. You can't afford everything. Right now, the idea is we can afford whatever we want. We're going to have to pick and choose. You're going to have to pick and choose. And I really think that churn is going to be a thing. Churn is going to be a deal where people are going to buy what they want to see. And when, like House of the Dragon, hey, if that's all you want to watch, then you dump HBO for two years. And then when you get it back, you've got 10 weeks where you can look at anything on HBO you want. 
So what I really think is going to happen is we as consumers have to ask ourselves, what is important to us? Where do we get the most value? I mean, like, I like HBO. And when I turn on HBO, I start clicking through and seeing that's how I found, you know, Strange Days. I'm like, oh, look what they dropped this month. And then I'm like, I won't get rid of it. I don't watch Apple very much other than this new Sharp that I want to see and then For All Mankind. But it's so cheap, I don't pay much attention to it. I think what's going to happen is what happens with all consumer products. People don't buy everything. They buy what they like. And when they want to buy something else, they will. The problem is the studios are now relying on this fast, quick money. They want to make sure that they've never had forever. Oh, our subscription base is going to make sure we get $200 million or a billion dollars a month. They've never had that before. So it's the studios that are going, huh, how can we keep these people? But I think the consumer has the power here. I really do. You know, talking about the, the various prices too and the content offerings and stuff like that. Here's a really interesting little example. So we have a Peloton, right? And my wife, Anne, she subscribes to the Peloton monthly, you know, thing. So she has access to the online trailer tra- uh, trainers and classes mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, and I say, really? So why do you get that? Instead of like just watching some YouTube videos. Oh, she goes, oh, because they've got a great library of content for the workouts. That's 50 bucks a month. The, the, the Peloton membership is 50 bucks a month because they have this great content that you engage with. Netflix has infinite. You could sit down for the rest of your life and watch what's on Netflix. Yeah. And you get that for 15 bucks. I get just a little bit of perspective. That's all. But it is starting to get expensive. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Like, have you wondered like Ronnie has about why these prices keep going up? At what point do we hit that ceiling? At what point do we get to a terminal point where, okay, this is as high as it's going to go. Now it's when we're going to see, I don't know how far off that can be. Will it get up to 25 bucks a month, $30 a month? I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic. Number three, shall we? Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one comes from Victor K. Hey, Victor. Good morning, John and crew. Forgive me if this is something you've already covered, but I was hoping to get your opinion on these stories going around that WB is going to sell the Snyderverse stuff to Netflix so that they, and Zack Snyder, can continue on with his plans for the DC characters. This is one of the sillier rumors I've heard, but it is persisting. What are your thoughts? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Victor. Um, Yeah. This, this is one of the dumber things. This is one of the dumber things that's out there. But, but, to be fair, um, it, it's mostly built on rumor, right? It's, it, no, and not even rumor. It's mostly based on a wish list. And there's nothing wrong with fans wishing for something, right? If you're a big fan of, of Henry Cavill's Superman, like I am, then you, it's okay for you as a fan to go, you know what I would love? Okay, DC doesn't want to keep doing that. Could somebody else pick it up and make it? Look, when Lucifer got canceled, uh, when it was still on Fox, and Lucifer got canceled, it was one of my favorite things. Okay, can somebody else pick it up then, please? And thankfully, the skies opened and Netflix came descending down on a cloud and say, yay, verily, I am here to save you. And we had a couple more seasons of Lucifer. And that was great. So there's nothing wrong with fandom going, man, wouldn't it be great if like somebody else could then make this stuff? And for people who are fans of the Snyderverse, I, t- I get that. That's fine. I've, I've been in the same place. However, there becomes a rationality fourth wall where you take what wouldn't it be great if 
which is perfectly good for all of us to do, to this can actually happen. It's great for your kid to want to run around and pretend to be Batman. But when the kid starts telling you, I need a shovel, Dad, because I'm going to dig my own bat cave, and I'm going to go out later tonight and pick some fights with some local gang. You you gotta you gotta say no 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 son. See, this is great that you want to play in this imaginary playground. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But once you start thinking this is going to be real, we got to have a serious talk. See, but I already branded Bobby. Remember how he brands them in the in the movie? Brands the criminals. Oh, that's right. <laughs> with the, the Ben Affleck one. Yeah. I mean, he's going around branding, branding neighbors' people. pets. Yeah, there might be a problem here. There is simply no way that this happens in any time in the foreseeable future. Now, I get it. All of us, there's no one group that's guilty of this, Rob. We all do it, right? We believe what we want to believe. That's that's all, all people do. I've done it. You've done it. Everybody watching this has done it. We tend to believe what we want to believe. We're, we're victims to... to uh, uh, confirmation bias and all that kind of stuff. But again, I hate to bring it up again, but the, I mean, some of these, some of them, some of them, not all, of them, some of these people are the same one that kept insisting that the Zack Snyder, the Snyder cut was a completed real film to go out. And I would tell people right from the beginning, there is no Snyder cut. Like there's an edit of a film, but there is no version of a film sitting around ready to be released today. It would cost them millions and millions of dollars to make their hand to reshoot some things and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, no, 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 it's real. It's real. And then as soon as they affirmed they were going to make it and they said it's going to cost us $70 million, we're going to start shooting, we're going to make it now. Then everybody moved the goalposts. Oh, yeah, no, that's what we, we knew that, that was it all along. Sure you did. At any rate, that's different from this. This is not something that can even happen. All right. No, any like if you want the Snyderverse to go over to Netflix, that's awesome. There's a lot of things I want to, nothing wrong with that. But if you actually think there's any actual real chance of that happening, I, I got bad news for you. Those cookies and milk you leave out for Santa, yeah, your dad ate them. That's uh, it's it's not really going to happen. Let's go over to the classroom for a second. I just want to kind of lay out a couple of common sense things here that we should all keep in mind. Uh, when, when talking about this thing. All right. The first thing is this. Uh, DZ, David Zaslav, um, has stated that DC is of primary uh, importance to WB. David Zaslav has been very, very, very clear that DC is the main pillar of everything. He's the first person that's ever run Warner Brothers that has acknowledged that, that hasn't treated DC like it's an afterthought. The new head honcho of Warner Brothers had said publicly many times and to shareholders, this is the thing that's going to keep our coffers full moving forward. This is what we are going to build everything around moving forward. And the, the very first thing he did was he established DC as his own studio. There is no chance in hell, no chance in hell that he's going to be letting rights any part of the rights to it go he also looked at what happened with kevin feige and marvel for all those years that they hit a rough spot a couple decades ago and they started licensing out all their characters and then they spent the next two decades desperately trying to get the ip to those characters back and they still don't have them all back so that's one thing now a second point to keep in mind some people will point to the spider-man situation well Sony can still make Spider-Man. Well, here's the thing. This is very different from the 
uh, Spider-Man uh, situation. With the Spider-Man situation, you know, I, I read an article in uh, Screen Rant, and they put this very well. I can't remember the exact wording of it, but basically the wording was this. The Spider-Man situation was infinitely different in the sense that with Marvel, you had an active, healthy, thriving cinematic universe with no Spider-Man. Over at Sony, after the collapse of the Amazing Spider-Man part they try to do, they had a Spider-Man without an active, thriving, health, healthy world to put him in. And they were able to cobble together a unique deal, which, by the way, even in that deal, there is no live-action Spider-Man that Sony's doing and live-action Spider-Man movies that Marvel's doing. Like, it's even then, it's not really applicable. So I've seen a lot of people try to point to the Spider-Man situation, but the Spider-Man situation isn't just fundamentally different. It's on a it's very DNA level. It's a completely different situation. So there's that. The next thing here is... Um, there's no upside for Netflix. A lot of people saying Netflix should buy, should buy the, the rights. Do you have, how much do you think that would cost? Like, like I, I've seen people saying, look, all, all, I literally saw somebody write this. Look, just, you know, get together four or $500 million, go and buy the rights from the, I'm sorry, what? That's adorable. That's adorable. When you start putting together the numbers, understand, like, if there was any reality, the David Zaslav would even entertainment. Because as Ted DiBiase taught us all as children, everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man, right? There's a price on everything, right? Even, even DC with David Zaslav saying that this is going to be our pillar thing. But that price is going to be in the maybe double-digit billions, Okay. You think Netflix, by the way, Netflix has lost, how much money did they lose over the past year? $40 billion? $50 billion in, in their market cap? Anyway, so you're talking about having to put up in the billions of dollars to get the license and the rights to do it. Then you're going to have to spend in the hundreds of millions of dollars to make each individual film, which, by the way, you're making no money on. You're making no money on. How many hardcore DC fans do you think aren't subscribers to Netflix? I got news for you. Not all, clearly not all, but a lot of people who are diehard comic book movie fans and stuff like that, we are, we love consuming media. That's, we as comic book movie fans, we love consuming media. And if you're somebody who loves consuming media, you probably already have Netflix. There's just no cost analysis here. There's no ROI. There's no return on investment. This would just be Netflix taking wheelbarrows of money and throwing them into an incinerator. So there's no reason for Netflix to even want to do something like this. It's just not cost prohibitive. Now, I understand that our friends over at Forbes like put an article saying, hey, here's why this could be a good solution. But that was, people have taken that. That's just an editorial piece about somebody saying, uh, one writer, it was Mark who wrote the article over there. Mark. <laughs> and Mark, Mark Hughes wrote the article over there. <laughs> that's just Mark Hughes saying, hey, you know what? I'm a fan of the Snyderverse. So here's why it could be a good idea. But it, the article is nothing about why it's actually possible. Because it's not. So while it's fun for all of us to speculate about, oh man, wouldn't it be great if this thing that I love was able to continue on somewhere else? That's awesome. I do it all the time. But just don't let the, the, the blurred lines of reality you know, get in the way of thinking it's actually something that would even be remotely possible. Look, it's, it's time to let it go. Like, if I could, I would break into that Elsa song. Let it go. It's 
Let by the way, Zack Snyder's got this Rebel Moon movie coming out. He's working on something exciting. Why are you taking attention away from that? Why 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 don't you why don't you put some attention on this stuff that Zack is making that looks like it could be a lot of fun instead of like downgrading what he's saying. Now nah, let's not talk about anything that he's doing otherwise. The only value Zack Snyder has is if he's making DC stuff. Listen, he's got this great, cool-looking thing coming out. Like, let's focus on that. Anyway, Rob, I know you've been seeing a lot of this uh, DC Superman rights going over to Netflix. I I don't know. What do you think? Well, first of all, it's absurd. Warner Brothers is not going to give the rights not just to one character, but to five and all the peripheral characters. If, you know, Jim Gordon shows up, it's, it's ridiculous. Second, we are getting Snyderverse movies this year. We're getting two. We're getting The Flash, and we're getting Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom. Those are Snyderverse versions of the characters. Well, not how they define Snyderverse, Well, But, but Zach cast those characters, cast yes. those actors, and those are adjuncts to the Snyderverse, which drives me crazy that what people are talking about is they specifically want a conclusion to the dark side story that Zack Snyder set up. We got fandom, Snyder fans. We got the biggest win of all time in the Snyder Cut of Justice League. We won. The victory was won. Don't buy it back, as I've always been told. We had that victory. And like you said, how disrespectful is it to Zack Snyder that his whole whole fan base that he cultivated has not moved over to Netflix with him? You know, I saw a poster today online for Rebel Moon. It's going to be in theaters. They're going to release it in theaters. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Thank you, Glass Onion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's 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 like... Why aren't people supporting him over there? Why didn't people support Army of the Dead in that offshoot movie he made? It's so weird to me because it's no longer even about Zack Snyder. It's become a thing that fandom can hang on to for their own edification for whatever. And I'm like, it's not when you're one thing. Zack Snyder's Justice League should have been finished. This was a this was a crusade for art. It was a crusade for one man's vision, and I think it was legitimate. And the and the fandom made money for suicide prevention. It got the movie made seventy million dollars. Zack Snyder got to make it. It got an amazing home theater release. It was an epic win on every level. Take it, take it as the win that it is. It's going to go down in history along with getting a third season of Star Trek because fans did a letter-writing campaign and saved that in 1968. Not since then have fans had this kind of a victory. We should all be proud. And then go support Zack Snyder's new endeavors. All this other stuff, like you said, it's taking away uh, the emphasis on all the good work he's doing. He's not making just one movie, but two He's building a whole. Well, they're universe. trying to make a whole, like a cinematic franchise yeah, well, around Rebel. And, I and, mean, uh, the first one's got to succeed, but that, they've got big course. plans. And and the thing is, that's what Zack Snyder needs. If you like Zack Snyder, go support his new endeavor. That's what he needs. He needs people talking about it. He needs social media presence. He needs analytics for Rebel Moon to show Netflix how much you support your favorite filmmaker. That's what they need. This isn't going to happen over at DC. There's going to be no other Snyderverse. It ends with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And we're still getting two movies, and I'm excited about them. Yeah, I mean, again, I this new Flash and this new Aquaman are not Snyderverse movies. I mean, they, they are the well, extension of what came out of it. But here, you brought up a really good point. You brought up a really good point, which is at this point, for a lot of these, for, for, for a number of these people, not all, certainly not all, maybe not even the majority, it's not even about Zack Snyder anymore. I know. Now it's about agendas. Now it's about 
you know, it, it's no longer about a love for a certain filmmaker. Now it's just about agenda with some people. Man, I kind of sure think it always was, but the veil has been lifted. Well, yeah, the veil's been lifted. But anyway, Chris, uh, you've been seeing this going around like that. Yeah. Can you see an actual way? Because, you know, we haven't been studying this for years. I mean, this is still a, a really new thing. But can you see a way that, yes, DC will say, Netflix, you can go ahead and make DC movies about with Superman and Batman. I don't know. Can Anthropologists you see that for years to come. So we'll study this moment. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, maybe all things are possible, right? But I just, I feel like echoing you guys, this diminishes Snyder's worth as a filmmaker. When you only focus on this coulda, woulda, shoulda, it really diminishes what he can do. Like, I, I actually really liked his Dawn of the Dead in 2004. I, I love 300. You know, and if I went, well, if he's not going to make more 300 movies, I'm never going to see any of his movies ever again. That would be really stupid, honestly. You know, and I understand if you love the Snyderverse, good for you. That's great. But he's got to go make other movies. He's moved on from it. And during this time when he was making this movie in his personal life, something really horrible happened. So he's moving on from a multitude of things here and trying to heal on his own as well. So I don't think this is a really great thing to bring up constantly for him either. You know? I just feel like if you want to support this filmmaker, go support his films as they're coming out. Like you said, Rob, go see what he's working on. Go check out those other movies that are still in the DCU that have the actors he cast and then go support his endeavors for Rebel Moon and everything else he does moving forward. If he's moved on, I think you can, too. All right, guys. Question is for you. Uh, what do you think about all this? Could you see an actual don't don't give me this pie in the sky bullshit either. I mean, can you actually actually see have you recognized maybe some actual legitimate avenues that this financially could and philosophically work for Warner Brothers and a Netflix that maybe there's a way that it could happen? If you do, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we're now going to move on and start taking your live questions. If you guys have a thought, theory, question, or opinion you'd like us to address here on the show, go ahead and use the Super Chat feature. We've opened it up now, and we'll get to those in just a moment. Now, before we get to those, though, we want to take a second and thank a couple more of the sponsors of the John Campus Show here today, our friends at DraftKings and Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank one of the sponsors of this video, DraftKings. Guys, the NFL playoff picture is now locked in, and your go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So to kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? And if it were me, I wouldn't be betting against the Bills or the Bengals right now. So guys, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code Campia, C-A-M-P-E-A. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Campia. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, 
Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save money this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, I have told you before that when I was on one of the major phone carriers, I was spending literally three times as much every month and switching to Mint Mobile couldn't have been easier. So for people just looking to save some extra money this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in just minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings and of course Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get to it here and hear from you guys with your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions. The Super Chats are open. So Chris, what do we got up here? <gasps> That's Rob. Yeah. Here. That's me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Someone, I, I can say it. We can be on together. I was going to say, whatever you want to do, bud. Someone McShave writes, though, with social media, we often encounter an ultra septidarian, someone who has no special knowledge of a subject, but who expresses an opinion about it. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, first of all, that's always been the world. And uh, now it is especially the world of social media. <laughs> it's it's absolutely, I, I, I was just watching something where somebody made a joke about that. Like I was watching some special on TV and somebody made a joke about how like the Twitter, the only place where people with absolutely no credentials give opinions <laughs> that people take and repeat. I mean, it's just, yeah, it is what it is, but that's the world. Who All needs right. credentials? <laughs> What's next? From Corey Hensley, one of two. Whenever people talk about famous historical composers, we think Mozart, Beethoven, etc. Why can't we think about John Williams in this way? John Williams has been around for 90 years, not uh, 290 years. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, so, yeah, keep it in perspective. Like, history tends to define this stuff. John Williams is still a working composer today. So, uh, yeah, give give it a little bit of room. Give it a little bit of room. Also, his music has been in support of other artwork, whereas... Mozart and Beethoven and Brahms and Debussy, whoever, the music they made was, in fact, the art unto itself. Mm. It wasn't scoring a movie. It wasn't part of something else. I didn't even know Gary Busey composed. <laughs> it's wild. Very eclectic stuff. All right, um, what's next? What was the second part of Corey's? Part yeah. right here. Collectively, do we think that film composers are thought of lesser than, like comic book films, in this orchestral-esque industry? No. Again, you're talk you're trying to compare them to... To musicians who lived over a century ago, I mean, it's it's a different thing, right? You got to give some time. You got to give time. You've got to give time. So so give it time, and then we'll we'll get to that. All right, what's next? From Elden Goblin, John, game suggestion that might be up your alley: Guardians of the Galaxy, underrated gem. I was surprised at how good it was, especially the writing. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. I'm not even familiar with the game. The game is so fun. You get to huddle up to, and you have to motivate the team to kind of get the best out of them, which is a really fun move, and you all high-five and stuff. And My I question is, near the beginning of the game, do you end up in a room that you can't get no, out of? No, <laughs> no. That's my primary I was question. able to play it. 
Because for those of you who didn't, we tried to play in chat the other day where we, what was it called? Marvel Ultimates? Ultimate Alliance. Ultimate, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Three. And we were in the tutorial phase and we got into a room. So, okay, now get out of the room. And we sat there, four adults, for like eight minutes punching walls and we're like, we can't get out. And then Ray goes, no, no. Rob goes, well, let's try the tutorial. And Ray's like, this is the tutorial. And we just kind of got like, okay, that's it. I'm out. This we're is done. Dope. It was it was a sad day. That was a sad day. Yeah, but to be fair, uh, our viewers were like, we had trouble with this room too. So <laughs> I still that was a sad day. All right, what's next? From Luke Stockton, John, thanks for putting me onto the menu. Holy crap, what a great movie and theme. Rafe and Anya are great. Love these kinds of films. Oh God, this I I was so pleasantly like it's Rafe Fines and Anya Taylor Joy and Nicholas Holt, and so. And it, it looked interesting. I'm a bit of a foodie. Like, I, I'm not a food expert, but I love watching some food shows. So, like, oh, the, the restaurants and all. Like, this is going to be kind of fun. It was different than I thought it would be, and it was way better than I thought it would be. I absolutely love that movie. I'm glad you enjoyed it, too. All right, what's next? From Dumbrodor, fun fact. Puss in Boots 2 domestically debuted with $12.4 but then it gained 35% more in its second weekend and fell by only 19% in its third weekend. Yeah, that was an interesting weekend because that weekend, I think there were three films. I've never seen this. Three films that weekend where the box office went up. I think that had to do with it being Christmas weekend or something like that. I, I'm not really 100% sure, but listen, Puss in Boots is going to go down as probably, it, it was officially released in 2022, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, as the most under-the-radar film of 2022. It is positively delightful. It's a wonderful film. It's really fun. Anne and I had an absolute blast watching it. It has in the high 90s, both critic rating and high 90s audience rating. Guys, if you haven't watched Puss in Boots yet, I get it. I didn't even like the first Puss in Boots movie. This is a winner, so go check it out if you haven't had a chance yet. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, rewatched uh, Mickey Fires Chapek, and when Mickey talks about Bob taking away the magic, making customers think they they really care, I imagine John laughing. <laughs> I was laughing my fool ass off. <laughs> the magic, Bob! You killed the magic! It's it, listen, It's a really well-done little video. I mean, not that the animation in it was great, but it doesn't matter. The content of it was great, and the way Mickey was kind of dressing down Bob Chapek. And it's like, I'll, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know if they watched the John Campy show because they said a number of things we've said on the show. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, the magic, Bob. It's just, ah, oh, it's really, if you guys haven't seen it, go look it up online. It's really funny. All right, what's next? From Sean Ryder. Won't happen, but need a John Williams Batman theme. You're right, it won't happen. Uh, and by the way, they've got, they've got a little guy, some, uh, what, some kid, Zim or something. Yeah. Um, who tends to do uh, those? And he's doing okay. He's doing pretty good. I'll tell you what. The score for Matt Reeves' is The Batman is, I love it. It's great. I, absolutely. So he's doing a great job with that. But, of course, if they announced that John Williams is going to do Batman theme, I'd be down. Well, that's Michael G. Aquino. Did, oh, did, that's Batman. right. Zimmer didn't do the new one. It was no. Michael G. Aquino, who's now a film director. Who also did a great score for The Batman, though. And will probably do his own score for them. All right. What's next? From Seconds from Disaster, I don't think Ant-Man or Kang will die. I think either or both get lost in the timeline multiverse, but I don't think this is the same Kang as Loki Season 2. Do we even know if Kang is in Loki Season 2? I mean, the, 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 obviously the cliffhanger of the end of Season 1 
implies that he would be. But yeah, have we actually yeah. heard anything that uh, I, I mean, haven't heard that he w- w- is or is? I've seen I've seen screen like images of production set. Like it's they're still dealing with time variant authority people. So I would assume I saw the one shot of uh, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston in tuxedos. So they're at some event. Like I listen. I did not end up being thrilled with the Loki series. I, I liked it. I liked it, but. That show always was firing on all cylinders when Hiddleston and Owen Wilson were on screen together. Yeah. Do, do you remember we did a story on something where they showed Kang on like a T-shirt of one of the members? Oh, I don't and remember that. Remember that? Remember we did some sort of story where someone was wearing a T-shirt, a production guy. Of, of Loki then, season two? We, I, I could have sworn that was Kang. Like we're like, oh, that's how Kang's going to look. Remember that was this it was one a of your, long time ago. Was this one of your fight dreams? No, 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 no. I... I you Never. might be right. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> actually, Listen, here's the funny thing. Ray is usually the one, these obscure things about things we've actually done. He's usually the one who remembers and we don't. So I wouldn't doubt it if you're right. Actually, ask the audience. They might know that too. Yeah. All right, what's next? They say Ray's wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> From okay. Orange Hand, any voice acting that's so bad, it's entertaining. Oh, I was just talking to Taylor about this thing called um, Wizard People, Dear Reader. It's done by Brad Neely, um, who did like the Washington, Washington YouTube video. But it is a fake book and tape that you play over the first Harry Potter movie. And oh the God. whole time he talks like this. So he goes, chapter one, private drive. And it's the <laughs> funniest stuff I've ever heard in my life. Harry is an alcoholic. Ron's name is Ronnie the Bear. Um, Hermione the Horrible. It's great. Oh, There's a couple it. of videos online. This was years ago, but they're on YouTube. And I'm sure some of you guys know about them. But where it was Arnold Schwarzenegger doing the dubs for some famous movie scenes. And so they would, I don't know who it was. It wasn't Harloff, but it was, I don't know who it was, but you'd literally get some guy who's doing this great Arnold impersonation. And it's like playing the scene of Darth Vader walking onto the rebel ship for the first time in the first star Wars movies. It's like, she'll die before you She'll get everything. Leave that to me. I, I can't do Arnold. But, and then they did a series of these videos. It's, it's pretty funny. If you get a chance to hear those, you should. All right. What's next from MP. I went to avatar. Um, the way of water. Oh, way of water. Thank you. Big size Dolby 3D and the glasses hurt my nose and not wide enough for my peripheral. I, IMAX 3D is better, but tight on the side of my head. Must be a way to reverse engineer the glasses. Uh, the, the better solution is don't go to a 3D screening <laughs> and just go to like uh, AMC Prime Dolby screening. Just just do that. Problem solved. No, I, I listen. Every pair of 3D glasses I've ever put on my face has had an issue. Whether it's the film of the lens is actually a little baconed, it's a little, it's a little bit wavy, or there's like some kind of smudge on it that you can't get off, or it's too dark, or they're really tight and they hurt the sides of your ears, or they don't fit right. I, you know, what the best answer is just don't do 3D anymore. 3D screens. You don't have to make it dark. You don't have to wear glasses. Uh, if they can ever get around to doing it. All right, what's next? From Jay. Life on the line, who do you trust to have the better performance in the same movie? A drama. Andy Serkis or Daniel Day-Lewis? Is that a joke? <laughs> Listen, I, I love me Andy Serkis. <laughs> I, love, I love Andy Serkis. You know I love Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is my boy. But make no mistake about it. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis is the greatest of all time. He's, he's the goat of goats, man, when it comes to acting. He's the king of kings. He's the Triple H of acting. 
Uh, he is the game. I mean, I, and again, I don't mean yeah. that. I don't mean that in any way to take anything away from. Um, oh yeah, bring, bring up the, the. Like I love. You got NDI there, Jonathan. Uh, oh yeah. I love Andy Circus. Like huge, especially what he did in Andor. Man, that last scene that he was in in Andor was so freaking powerful. Like that moment when you real when he realizes that he can't swim. Um, I, I mean, there he is. I love this guy. Love him. But come on. <laughs> Tana Tay Lewis is the greatest of all time. And while Andy Serkis is great, he's not in the conversation of the greatest actors of all time. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? Well, I, I would agree with you. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is Oscar-winning, greatest of all time, definitely uh, up in that conversation. I mean, the thing about Andy Serkis is, and Andy Serkis is also a jack of all trades. He's a director. He understands he's got his own motion capture company. He's developing screenplays. He's doing all kinds of things. He's he's a different entity. And yeah, he's a great actor. But I think Andy Serkis would, would, would I think he could absolutely be a lead. But I think that he works best in an ensemble. He's a great character actor. He can do anything. The first time I saw Andy Serkis, I think it was pre-Gollum, was in 24-Hour Party People where he plays Joy Division's producer. And I, I don't know why. He just cracked me up. I thought he was so – and when I first met Andy Serkis, I told him that. And he lit up that anybody remembered that he was in that role. And I go, no, dude, you were awesome. By the way, was that not Andy in 13 going on 30? Yes, it was. I was going to bring that one up. That. He's that the greatest the I boss. saw him in live action. Yeah. There's that great moment of, who's your daddy? And she just says her dad's name. <laughs> so perfect. He's great. I mean, Andy Serkis is he, he he just classes up the joint. And by the way, Serkis is still in the game, though. You guys, Daniel Day Lewis, that character, uh, that method acting caught up with him, and he is in Italy cobbling shoes. I mean, that's he's that's not available. <laughs> yep. All right. Living what's next? Actually, this is. is a better shot. That's Andy uh, Serkis. How great the movie is that? You wouldn't even recognize him. That's so, Gollum. So I mean, there's there's Gollum right there. And now <laughs> here's the funny thing. You look at him there, then bring up bring up the other the, my picture again. Yeah. You look at him there, but now you see him in like Black Panther. Like you look at that other picture, and you look at him now. He is first. He's physically in incredible shape. Oh yeah, like he's he's actually real. He's got the type. I like. He's a good looking dude. But you look back at that other pictures, like yeah, that's Smeagol. Yeah, they they they. You could tell they tried to hide his physique in uh, Andor. Yeah. Yeah. But but also his like. Oh, uh, he's so I loved him as Alfred. I thought he was a really great he was Alfred. Great yeah. as Alfred. I want to I want to see him do some badass stuff as Alfred in yeah. the next one. Mm -hmm. But all right, what's next? From Spencer Nielsen, being 27, I saw Wizard of Oz for the first time at the New Bev last weekend. Wow. It's a special feeling when a movie is everything you've heard it is and more. Wow. Aww, I That is so that's so great and so mm -hmm. true. Like when you sit down with something I'm trying to think of something that I was like like late to the party too, and something that I didn't see until like not so long ago. But I know I've had an experience like that. But yeah, Wizard of Oz. I man, I love watching. I've told you guys this before. I love watching movies I love with people who have never seen it before. Yep, I get a huge kick out of that. Ann and I had some friends over the other week, and they had never seen Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So we watched Spider Man into the Spider. -Verse. I just I love that. Wizard of Oz is one of the most magical films you could do that with. That in The Godfather. But uh, that's a great experience. I'm glad you shared that. Thanks, man. Plus, New Beverly Theater, Quentin Tarantino's theater. Great, great choice. Go across the street, eat at El Coyote. You can't lose. What a night. Oh, yeah. 
All right, what's next? From Hero75, I could see Netflix paying DC to make an animated show like Young Justice for them, which was just canceled, but live action, not a chance. See, yeah, you get that there are, there are nooks and crannies that you can find something in, like Netflix getting the right, because listen, Warner Brothers has already shown they're willing to license out some animated stuff. And sure. I think, wasn't Amazon, Amazon itself is going to be making some DC animated content, are they not? I, maybe I'm not remembering that, but I think they are. So yeah, stuff like that. There are some possibilities that exist in something like that. That's a possibility. I, I don't think the whole thing is off the table. That could happen. I could see, here's the thing I would wonder. What if they made a animated, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League and finished off his story as one of their about, DC animated talk about films? That. Would that, but I bet people wouldn't like that either. They'd be like, Zach, and if Zach directed it, finished it, he already did. I was going to say Owl, the original Guardians. actors could do the voices, and yeah, they'd still all be pissed off. Absolutely, it's not the movie I want. I hate it. By the way, I, I mean, I think Zach Snyder's. <laughs> The Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gaul. I, I absolutely believe it is one of the most underrated animated films I've ever seen. I'm not saying it's one of the best all-time animated films, but I never hear anybody talk about it, and it's a quality animated film. I really like that movie. All right, what's next? From Matt Sanders, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Matt. R.I.P. Lisa Presley. Thoughts and prayers for her kids and Priscilla. She looked proud seeing Austin accept his award for playing father uh, for playing her his her father with respect. I hope Austin wins the Oscar now. It would be a powerful speech. Um, I I mean I don't hope Austin wins the Oscar because of an external situation. Uh, yeah, it, I was really surprised to hear about this because we just saw her. I mean, I watched that little thing too when with her at the Golden Globes. Like she got to be there to see. A guy portraying her dad win the big acting award. I mean, uh, yeah, really, it was it was shocking to hear it and um, just tragic the way it happened. It was just so sudden, too. Yeah, I mean, ugh, 54. Yeah. All right, what's next? From Brandon Nesmedine, it isn't just the Snyder fans that want this. Zack Snyder has been promoting this movement on social media. Irrelevant. I'm going to go on Twitter right now. I mean, sorry, <laughs> I think, I think... He liked a tweet. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the thing. He liked a tweet or something like that. But again, it's irrelevant. Like, wait, a filmmaker wants to have control of one of the most vi valuable IPs in, in entertainment? Really? Wow. Of course he does. But it's irrelevant. And he's also supporting a fan base that supported him. Yeah, in the yeah in there's the that too. No. All right, what's next? Sorry, he's posting about like saving wolves and how Gal Gadot was really great. I don't think that's the same thing. We you should guys. save wolves. They're my favorite yeah, animal. They're wonderful. They're noble creatures. So you might be following Snyder Cut on Twitter. That's different. That might be a thing. Uh, Anubis Genocide. I don't think Scott Lang will die in Ant-Man 3. From the trailer, I get the feeling instead he's going to get lost in the multiverse and fill a similar, similar role that Hank Pym had in the Secret Wars 2015 comic. I could see that. I mean, look, there's also... This is the other thing, and I, I hope they're not doing this. I really do. But it, there is some precedent here. There could be a little Hawkeye going on here where they are transitioning Scott out to bring, what's his daughter's name again? Uh, Cassie. Cassie, to bring Cassie in. Because again, Cassie's got the suit too. And th this could be a thing like Hawkeye where it's just, it's going to set her up, set her up. And now she's the new, whatever they're going to call her. She's the new Ant-Man, right? The Cassie becomes the new Ant-Man. Maybe. I, I hope not, because they've already done it a couple times in the MCU, but that could be a possibility as well. All right, what's next? 
from Dumbrodor. When John was describing the sex men the other day, I couldn't tell if it was a plot to a Doom Patrol episode, as John says, or if it's from a Riverdale season six episode. Or was it my weekend in Vegas? I don't know. You'll never know. <laughs> but uh, I, they right. It does sound like something. Here's the brilliant thing about Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol takes heady, heavy, serious issues and topics and wraps them in a veneer, like even more so than the boys. It wraps them in a veneer of bonkers lunacy. For example, the same that, that same episode of The Sex Men, for those of you who weren't here when we talked about it before, The Sex Men episode in Doom Patrol is literally a bunch of horny ghosts start having an orgy. And there's this organization called The Sex Men that need to come down and shut it down because if, to make oversimplify it, when a bunch of ghosts have an orgy, it can bring about the end of existence. So you got to stop that orgy, man. And so, then I said, was <laughs> it called the second coming? That's the also, uh, yeah, the second, get it? The second coming. Anyway. What is coming? Uh, so <laughs> okay. here's the, but in that same episode, in that same episode, Larry and Robot, voiced by Brendan Fraser, are sitting down as this ghost orgy is going on. And there is this A24 style scene of these two guys who consider themselves failed fathers for very different reasons and having this incredible sitting down dialogue and exchange talking about fatherhood and failings and legacy and all this kind of stuff. And it's something that's straight out of an HBO drama or an A24 film while a ghost orgy was going on. But that just highlights the way, that's one of the reasons I love Doom Patrol. Almost every episode does that with real serious, heavy issues, but wrapped in this bonkers veneer. It's, it's really, really fantastic. I love it. All right, what's next? From Raymond Verrata, History of the World Part 2 trailer just dropped. I was telling the guys about that earlier this morning. Oh, man, I... Seeing Mel Brooks just saying the word space balls. I, please, <laughs> Mel, do another space balls. I'm glad you've done History of the World Part 2. It looks pretty funny. I'm going to watch it, but please do space balls too. All right, what's next? From Bright, Shang-Chi 2 before or after Secret Wars. Creighton seemed booked with Wonder Man and Kang Dynasty. I think Shang-Chi will play a serious presence in the MCU up, leading up to Secret Wars. But with what Destin is doing... I think the next actual dedicated Shang-Chi movie will probably be after Secret Wars, but we will. I think we're going to see a lot of Shang-Chi. What do you think? I agree. A lot of Shang-Chi, but not a movie anytime soon. All right. What's next? From JCSC, this year's best actor race may be between Farrell and Frazier and could be a Manning versus Brady situation. QB of a lifetime versus the GOAT. But who is which? Um, well, I don't think I would call Farrell or Frazier in the, in the race of or the conversation of being the goat. They both have great years. By the way, I I, th I think the way it's looking right now is it may come down to Colin Farrell and Austin Butler. Um, I, I think like Brendan Fraser's performance is career defining. It, it was absolutely spectacular. I don't think he's one of the head on favorites to win the Oscar though. I, I think Austin Butler's been getting a lot of buzz lately. And listen, while I did not love, like I really liked the Evelyn's movie. I didn't love it, but oh my God, like Austin Butler takes that movie, puts it on his shoulders and carries it. Yeah. He's amazing. And I think it's going to come to, and I ultimately I do think Colin Farrell wins it. 
But I think it's going to come down to Colin Farrell and Austin Butler. I don't know. Do you think those are the two front runners? Yeah, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if Austin Butler takes it. It really wouldn't because, you know, the it is, like you said, he does carry that movie on his shoulders. And he was terrific. Uh, he really embodied that character and played him in many different facets, many different parts of his life. Very different eras of his life. Really yeah. well done. All right. What's next? From Al Renshaw, when do tickets for Maestro at the Movies go on sale? I had a damn near religious experience last year and can't wait for this year's show. I don't even know if they've officially announced there's going to be one this year. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe they have. I'll keep my eyes open for it. I know tickets, when the event does happen, tickets become available to season pass holders first. Um, but as soon as I know, I'll let you know. All right. What's next? From CJ Rebirth, Spirited and Greatest Showman. Two films where the endings uh, reprised my, were my favorite songs. Mm. X-Men, uh, or X-Men's Morning, Feeling, <laughs> and This is the Greatest Show. Thank you, Pasek and Paul. Yeah, the same guys behind the music of The Greatest Showman were behind the music of uh, Spirited. Really, I, again, Ann and I waited until Christmas Eve to watch Spirited. But, wow, what a view. It was really charming, really done. The music in it is great. Greatest Showman. You know, somebody asked me maybe about a month ago, would you say Greatest Showman is your favorite musical? I said, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's my favorite. And then I stopped for a second. It's like, you know what? It is my favorite musical. Greatest Showman is my favorite musical. I, I was going to say um, Moulin Rouge, which I love. Moulin Rouge is my top 20 all-time favorite films. But, I mean, it's none of its original music. I mean, it's all, what, and it's still great and wonderful, but the songs and the music and it's all original. It's like, God, that's a great movie. I love that movie so much. Anyway, all right, what's next? From Vixter 5001, Jeff Cohen, Chunk, being Kwan's, uh, Kihi Kwan's entertainment lawyer, agreeing his everything everywhere all at once contract made this 80s kid smile. Wait a minute, is that truth? Yeah. Yeah. He's he, a lawyer. He is a, the entertainment lawyer, yeah, yeah. Chunk. Yep. In real life. His co-star, Chunk, mm -hmm. is his actual entertainment yes. lawyer. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Yes. That's one of the best things I've heard today. <laughs> mm -hmm. That makes me smile. I love hearing that. I never Goody's knew that. Forever. I love learning new things from our audience. All right, what's next? From Peter Cunnington, the winner of the streaming wars will be piracy. <laughs> eh, you know what? It's getting harder and harder to do it. Uh, plus, here's the thing. The best weapon against piracy is ease of accessibility. That's like, that's Apple changed the game on piracy when they started introducing, hey, you can buy songs for 99 cents a song. I remember that changing. Like, yeah, there were lawsuits and everything, but the thing that really killed Napster was Apple actually making it, making an easy and affordable way for people to ex access the music simply, right? And it's becoming easier and easier to access the information. And it's still affordable. Again, if you want to get all the stuff you want, that's going to become pricey. But, I mean, name something in life where if you want everything you want, it's going to be cheap. Uh, nothing. So, I don't know that, that piracy for streaming stuff is going to be as big of an issue. No. Maybe a little bit, but, I mean, it's, gonna, it's always going to be around, but, but I don't I th think it's going to be as major, that major. You nailed it. Ease of accessibility. Uh, pirate, pirating something is a pain in the ass. And, you know, you're on the high seas... You you <laughs> open yourself up to spyware, scurvy. malware, scurvy, yeah, scurvy, yeah, uh, mighty. But yeah, Syphilis. and that's the thing: the vast majority of people actually are more than willing to support the content they enjoy. Yeah, 
most people want to pay for a product they enjoy. And if you offer them an ease of accessibility and make sure the prices are reasonable, then yeah, again, there was always going to be piracy, but I don't think it's going to be as prevalent as you think. Well, and who knows? We'll see. All right, what's next? I'm Josh Hendley. Can we get Can't Be a Classroom merch, please? I just did a, I don't know if you saw, I did a new video last night that I put that I put up online. And I'm actually thinking about making that maybe a little bit of a regular, I don't know for those of you who saw the video I put up last night, it's all on the whole issue of studios owning movie theaters, the history of it and why things are the way they are now. I put that up and I'm actually, it's the second one I've done in the, this week. And I'm thinking about maybe making that its own little thing and just calling it the Academy of Classroom. I don't know, we'll see, maybe. All right, what's next? From Alan Gonzalez. Right, oh, excuse Sorry. me. Al Renshaw. From Al Renshaw. Ant-Man 3 Ticket Watch used uh, great great music last time. Uh, no, there will not be a ticket watch for Ant-Man 3 simply because I don't think anybody's, as much as I'm excited for that movie, I don't think you know there's going to be any drama surrounding the tickets going on sale. Like when Spider-Man No Way Home tickets went on sale, websites crashing, all that. Like we were kind of expecting that. I'm not expecting that for Ant-Man 3. Now, Reaction Watch... Yeah, there will probably be a reaction watch for the Ant-Man movie, but probably not Ticket Watch. All right, what's next? From Send Me Your Scripts. Oh, my gosh, Rob. <laughs> how are you doing this at the same time as being on the show? Shh, don't do that. <laughs> Yay! From uh, Skinner Marink, is this generation's Blair Witch? It was creepy and unsettling, a lot of creepy dialogue, and it gets under your skin. Listen. Wait, hold on. They took... They took lamb chop or whatever the hell that was, skinnamarinky-dinky-dinky-skinnamarinky-doo. Yep. Why? Why would you do that? Uh, Same reason they made poo, blood, and honey. To make me. me sad? To make Chris sad. That's Why? the whole idea. Listen, I had I'm never so even nice. heard of this until the other day on the show. <laughs> and since then, I've heard from a bunch of people saying they love it. Yep, it opened last night. People went and saw it in theaters. I might have to go see it. I, like I, I'm not a huge horror film aficionado, but if it's that good, a lot of I, I've heard from a lot of people that's really great. I, I I don't know why I'm asking, but Taylor, did you see it? No, I saw Plane last night, but I'm thinking maybe I don't have plans Sunday. Maybe Sunday I'll go see it. Uh, I've I've got this is NFL playoff weekend. I got a lot of weekend plans, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. All right, what's next? Just so sad. Alan Gonzalez, John, go check the Optimus Prime 3A. It's amazing. I don't know what that is. It's a uh, a figure. Oh, uh, and it is amazing. Almost all Optimus Prime figures are amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. What's next? From uh, Joseph SFL. Did you see the History of the World Part 2 trailer? It's good to be the king. I, I did. I thought it looked really funny. Again, I, I almost, the part I laughed the most at was right near the end of the trailer when the girl at the meeting says, so wait, you want Jesus to be white? And the guy's like, no, I am not saying that at all. Like, not at all. Like, it's, I... I pretty much busted a gut at that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, what's next? From MP, donuts look like the perfect theater snack. Not allowed to eat. Easy to hold while staring at the screen. They could sell them with a butter sugar glaze. If you go to the AMC at City Walk, you can hit Voodoo Donuts first, and then you bring that donut in. Just stick it in your pocket. You're not allowed to do that. MP, that's genius. Uh, Why don't movie theaters sell? You're right. It's the perfect movie theaters i mean look popcorn is the perfect movie it's the butter delivery device but you're right it makes no noise gets all of your hands though it it does but so does buttery popcorn but you eat you eat a donut in seconds whereas popcorn you can munch on for you know donut holes donut holes all right but i mean they're they're quiet they're 
because of the doughy nature, they're they're satisfied. So if you do, if you are peckish, it, it'll at least temporarily satisfy. True. That's not a bad idea. I like that. I think more theaters. Plus, should do I that. love the smell of fresh donuts. I do too. I really do. Just put a Krispy Kreme in every AMC theater. Oh, dude, yeah, that, no, that would be bad no, news no, for me. Actually, bad, bad, bad. You know bad. what? They just opened a Krispy Kreme around the corner for Anna and I. There's two things that just opened. No, they didn't. Right? No, they did. Right, uh, right at the street for our place. They just opened the Krispy Kreme. Sorry, Krispy Kreme. Uh, a Cold Stone. They just opened oh, the Cold Stone right up the street. I was about to uh, take my leave of absence. But um, <laughs> it's actually dangerous because right in our block, like within about a three-minute drive of where we are, they just opened one, a Krispy Kreme, and two, a, uh, a dispensary. Uh, and so, like, Anna, wow. and I, Anna and I, the other night, Anne comes up to me. We're like, we, I finished dinner. We're clean up a little bit. I'm writing something on the laptop. And Anne goes, should we run out and grab some ice cream and some weed? And like, honey, <laughs> this this was the promise of the new land here. <laughs> it's, it's like the greatest errand running ever. All right. What's next? From Chuck the Mystery. Though, uh, though we assume that the DCU Batman will be younger and around the same age as Superman, since Reyes already has a solo Batman, over under 30% Gunn introduces a Robin for his Batman right out of the gate. I'll go under. Um, and by the way, I don't think they necessarily have to go. Like, my starting assumption was the same thing, that if they're going to go for a mid to late 20s Superman, then they would probably go for a mid to late 20s Batman too. But the more I thought about it, it's like, well, there's nothing really saying that. And Matt Reeves' Batman is already doing the early in his career Batman. Right. So to juxtapose that a little bit, maybe you do get a little bit of an older one. That would make it more likely that you could have a Robin. I am still of the belief, and I have been of this belief for a long time, while Robin is one of the great comic book characters and really, really interesting. Um, Tim's Robin was probably my favorite iteration of Robin. But that's great for the comic books. A live action that's supposed to have some sort of sense of reality. I just don't see how a Robin works unless you do a very different kind of Robin, right? You do a 21 year old Robin who's that's fine. But the traditional idea of Robin of an 11 year old child with a stick being taken by Batman into combat against mobsters who have machine guns. um, Yeah, that's, that's awful. That just doesn't work. And look, and, and I'll just bring this up here too. Whenever I bring this up, people say, well, John, you like Kick-Ass and, and they had Hit Girl and you thought Hit Girl was cool because Kick-Ass was a spoof satirical comedy. If you want, if you want freaking um, Adam West's Batman back, go ahead, go spoof. If you want to go spoof satirical comedy with Batman, fine, then, then bring in Robin. Sure. But if you're trying to make something gritty and semi-real, well, John, Spider-Man's young. Yeah, but he's not 11. Spider-Man's not 11. And Spider-Man has the power of the gods. I mean, there's literally Marvel comic covers where Spider-Man is literally lifting tanks over his head. He has magical spider sense. He has superhuman speed and agility. And granted, it's with webs, but he can fly through the city. And a smile to boot. And, and... Pick up buses. Robin is an 11-year-old child with a stick. Now, again, you do a different version of Robin. You adapt it. You do something totally different for the screen. That will leave some comic book fans unhappy. But I think then that becomes possible if you do it on the big screen. But no, I, I don't see 
Unless it's something like a jokey thing in a Suicide Squad, I don't see them bringing Robin in. At least not initially. At least not. I don't know, Rob. What do you think the chances are? I think you're right, and I think that reason. I think that reason is sound. I mean, everyone like look. Even when they did Robin and Batman Forever, it's Chris O'Donnell. Like he's the college age Robin. And I thought he was good as Robin, but he's not a little kid. Yeah. I mean, again, if you want to do a college age. 20 early 20s robin the college years robin the college years i'm all for it then you you can make that work then it's not as stupid but i I don't know if that'll make a lot of comic fans happy if he did right Uh. all right what's next from brandon esmedine again best news ever phineas and ferb revived disney plus best disney show ever i've never heard of phineas and ferb until I was at the D23 where they announced they were going to be bringing in Phineas and Ferb. And I'm like, everybody was so happy. I'm like, I have no idea what people are talking about. Uh, So I didn't even know it was still on, but apparently Phineas and Ferb have a lot of passionate fans. And the fact that you're getting more of it is awesome. I mean, I don't watch it, but I'm glad you do. And I'm glad you get something you love. All right. What's next? From Jai or Jay, uh, this new season of Bad Batch has been so good. It's only been three episodes so far. Have you given it a watch yet? <laughs> I think no. we all know the answer to that. No, no. I I I thought uh, I thought the Bad Batch were a joke in the final season of uh, Clone Wars. I thought they were terrible. I gave season one a shot. Uh, actually, surprisingly, didn't mind the first two episodes of season one, but then. It quickly went downhill from there. So I, I again, I'm not. A lot really of people cute. are saying it's good, though. That's great, but I gave it a shot. I know it's not for me. So I, the fact that it works for other people is awesome, but it's it's not for me. So I will not be, you know, spending my time watching that when I have a lot of other things that yeah. I'll probably like that I could spend my time watching. All right, what's next? From Greek Pack Nine. Hey guys, do you cry easily while watching a movie? And if so, what film made you cry the hardest? I don't cry. I don't cry. I I <laughs> cry at everything. What does happen to me easier than I like to admit is the lip quiver. Like the <laughs> like I get get emotional. That's worse than crying. But I've only <laughs> cried. Like you looked at me, you could tell I was weeping, like tears were coming out of my eyes and stuff like that. I've only cried, I think in like four movies ever in my life. Two of them were, and the one that should make everybody cry is Roberto Benini's masterpiece, Life is Beautiful. If you've not seen Roberto Benini's Life is Beautiful, you need to see what movies can do, like what how movies can movie. It's amazing. The other one, I, I think, I can't remember what come, came out most recently, whether it was uh, Life is Beautiful or this one. Uh, the Julia Roberts movie, My Best Friend's Wedding. Uh, and and, and here's, here's why it made me cry. Wow. It made me cry because I don't get moved all that much by sad stuff. I mean, life is beautiful was different, but I don't get moved by that. What moves me is extreme examples of loyalty and friendship, right? And at the end of my best friend's wedding, Julia Roberts is standing. She, you know, she's standing at her best friend's wedding. She wanted, she, she was in love with him. She wanted to win him away from his fiance. Ultimately she couldn't do it. And so she's there at the wedding at the end, supporting him anyway. And she's on the phone with her friend, another friend of hers, who's all the way across the country. Hmm. And she's talking to him and he says, oh, and you look great in that dress. He goes, what are you talking? And she looks up and there he is. Her friend flew across the, I'm getting emotional thinking about this. Just knowing that she was going to need a friend there, just knowing that she was going to need support, 
He got on a plane and flew across the country so he, as her friend, could be there to support her. That's cool. And, and I, that moved me to tears and I cried. So that was, I think that was the last time I cried at watching a movie. I don't know. Do, do you remember the last time you literally had tears watching a movie? Amelie. Was oh, what yeah. Made me cry when, when she, she, the, the, the tin box of childhood treasure, she discovers it and finds the man, Pro de Toe, tracks him down and he's in the phone booth opening it up and looking at it. It makes me, it gets me every time. What about you, Chris? You got one that just guaranteed to make you Everything cry? Everything makes me cry. Um, Dead Poet Society, I always saw that. Oh, my God. That I one was. Oh. Clerks 3. Clerks for 3? Some reason, yeah. For some reason. Yeah, man. You need to watch it. Have you seen it? We're not, well, don't give anything. A lot of people haven't seen it. Don't give oh, okay. it. <laughs> All right. What's next? From Dildar. Have you guys played Midnight Suns yet? It's really fun. My favorite character is Nico Minori, Minoru, and her actress from The Runaways came back to play her, which is really cool. Oh. Uh, I, I, I saw some commercials for Midnight Suns. It, is, is it a, a first-person fighter? Like, like one of those card, fighters? I think it's card-based. That's the... That's no, I don't think so. I, I don't think know anything about the game. Involved. I saw a, a commercial for oh, it. Oh, okay. I might have to check it out, though. I didn't know it came out already. I didn't either. All right. What's next? From Dakota Woods. I like to picture Snyder bros. Think Zach is just patiently sitting at home waiting for Zaslav to call him. <laughs> hey, listen, again, there, there, there is nothing wrong with being a fan of something and hoping for the revival of the thing you love. Right? I, I sit here, keep hoping that they make a Mystery Men too. There's, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. So, you know, it is what it is. All right. What's next? From uh, Fry Minis, did you read comments on your OGL video? Uh, no, I did not. I did not read comments. I, I did ask for some people to send me some OGL stuff, and I had some people send me some interesting things. It hasn't really changed my mind on a lot of it, which is fine. Uh, but I did get some people send me some really interesting content. Yeah, me too. All right, and I appreciate next? that, by the way. From uh, Taki75, Rob, please tell us the story of Christopher Lee explaining to Peter Jackson why a man stabbed in the back can't scream. Well, that's that's something that you should find in the special features for, uh, I guess that would be uh, Return of the King. Uh, that's not for me to explain that story. Peter Jackson, actually Christopher Lee explains it. To Peter, In a nutshell, Peter Jackson wanted Christopher Lee to do something, and Christopher Lee said that's not how it would happen in real life. Mm. But I leave that for you to watch and discover on your own. All right. What's next? From uh, JCSC. I'm behind on DC Comics, so forgive me if this is incorrect. I still want pre-New 52 continuity restored. It's been 11 years. It's done. So is Snyderverse. <laughs> yeah, I, I still remember when New 52 came out, uh, the, the Aquaman run actually in New 52, when that was actually, I hated the Batman stuff. Yeah, the, was the, the New 52 Batman stuff I thought was really not good. The Aquaman stuff was pretty interesting. And that's about the time that I kind of drifted away from reading comic books regularly. Me too. It's not that I not that I thought the New 52 was garbage or anything like that. Not at all. It's just that I was I was picking them up and reading them. And I'm like, eh. Except for the Aquaman run. The, again, the Aquaman run was really interesting. But yeah, it just kind of got me away from it, unfortunately. Yeah, well, when you're enjoying something and they take it away. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's next? From uh, Bale's, Bale is Batman. Zaslav is selling an animated Batman series instead of putting it on HBO Max. That's where the Snyderverse to Netflix dreams rumors came from. Again, in an animated form, we mentioned this earlier in the show, like stuff like that, I can see that happening. I can too. Because that does not interfere with what, nor does it overlap with 
what James Gunn and Peter Safran and David Zaslav are going to be doing with their DC Universe on there. You're not going to be making live action stuff with Superman on one network and Anne on another one. They're just not going to do that. Agreed. All right, what's next? From Send Me Your Scripts. House Party should have stayed on HBO Max. Not funny aside from one DJ scene. Yeah, you know, it's funny. That was the second movie that they decided to put out theatrically along with Evil Dead Rise was House Party. Interesting. Yeah. That doesn't make me feel good for Blue Beetle. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe there was... Look, I'll, I have not seen House Party. Maybe I'll love it. I just know that I thought the trailer were terrible. It was terrible. I can't believe Anne wants to see it. Anne really wants to she see was it. Like, you got to get that, into speaking like, in the microphone. I'm excited for this. But was that before or after the weed and, and ice cream? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> weed and ice cream, man. And I was like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. You don't think it looks good? I was like, no. Yeah, no. It does not look good. But I support her. Whatever. Good. So when she wants to go, yeah, you can go with her. Thank you. <laughs> but if I see that before Avatar... I am like the weirdest. Yeah, I gotta go see Avatar this weekend. Like at some point, I'm just gonna have to like as as the boss. At some point on this movie show, I'm just gonna have to mandate that you go see the most popular movie in the world right now. (laughs) I'm just gonna have to make that a rule. (laughs) You're gonna have to get over and see that. All right, what's next? From Alan Gonzalez, what will happen if Ant Man three is a disappointment? Then it'll be a disappointment, and then they'll move on. Yeah, that's about it. Guardians opens in May. Yep. All right, what's next? This. Oh, uh, from Patty Ice. Hey, John, love your show. I've been watching since 2019. Thank you, Patty. Just wondering, what's your thoughts on Spider-Man 2002? I love that movie, and personally, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie ever. Thanks. I, I assume we're talking about the Sam Raimi yeah, yep. first one. I I have a very special place in my heart with that movie. I was at, I think I've told the story before. I was at Star Wars Celebration in Indianapolis when when the a few weeks before Spider-Man was opening and we were hanging out with the vice president of Lucasfilm and Eduardo, the director of um, the found footage horror movie, uh, Blair Witch. So me, my buddy, Dave, my buddy, Paul, who was working at Lucasfilm at the time, the VP of Lucasfilm and, and Eduardo from, from Blair Witch, the director of Blair Witch, we're all hanging out. And the VP of Lucasfilm says, hey, I got an invite. We can get a theater closed off after they close. That's here in Indianapolis. And they're going to show us the new Spider-Man movie. Want to go? We're like, yeah. So like eight of us got in a couple of cars, drove over to the theater that the manager had closed down. And we got to go in a few weeks early and watch watch the first Spider-Man movie. And it was a great night. It's wonderful. But look, I don't think it's, I didn't think it was as good as say, the X-Men films and certainly not as good as the second Sam Raimi Spider-Man, which is one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. But man, who would have thought in 2002 that you're going to see Spider-Man swinging around the city. It, it was, it was remarkable. Like something like as a teenager, I never thought you'd actually see on the screen before, but it was, it was great. Rob, you're great. I love that. I mean, you know, I, I have a poster of a one sheet the, the marketing for that movie was phenomenal. And they had that trailer where the, he, the spider web was between the twin towers. Yes. And that I they made just for the trailer. Yes. They, they, and I still the have movie, the right? one sheet where you see the twin towers reflected. It's a beautiful poster, but I too, I mean, I really, I loved the first half of that movie where you watch Tobey Maguire becoming mm-hmm. Spider-Man and learning his powers. I was like, 
I was totally enchanted by it. And uh, I, it was a it was a great time because coming off the heels of X-Men 1 and seeing Spider-Man, you knew that this renaissance was coming. You didn't know where it was going to necessarily lead. But the, those two movies showed you that comic book films had a real future. And I I couldn't wait to see what was coming. I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe didn't show up until five years later with Iron Man, but it was a great time, man. It was a great time to be a Marvel comic character fan because both X-Men and Spider-Man pointed into a direction that was really exciting. All right, what's next? From Victor Rodriguez, if they can bring back Phineas and Ferb, I have high hopes for them maybe bringing back Spectacular Spider-Man. Hope you all have a great weekend, by the way. Again, who knows what the actual scenarios and situations and contracts and costs and all that kind of stuff are behind the scene. But hey, man, listen, that's the great thing about the the modern era of streaming and television. There is a higher demand for content than ever before. Yeah. And so it's a never say never situation with your favorite TV stuff. And I'm with him. I love that spectac- that one spectacular was so Spider-Man show, yeah. right? Not a lot of people liked it because the art style kind of changed. Yeah. But I thought it was cool. Yeah. All right, Josh Keaton did a good job as Peter, too. Uh, Suthius, I don't think Scott will die, but I do think he will do something that will result in him and Kang each ending up at different points in time. Could be. I mean, again, I think, I hope, I really hope that line in the trailer about, I just need us both to lose. I hope that wasn't like a final fight thing. Like, I I hope that's a little bit earlier. But yeah, very well could mean maybe they both die. Maybe one of them dies. Maybe they just, and I don't see Scott getting lost in the quantum realm. That's something, that's been an Ant-Man storyline since, you know, and then they solved, they cracked that code, right? So I don't think they'll do that, but. I mean, it could be another fate other than dying. I just think we have seen very little of this movie. I think it's going to surprise us. I agree. I, I mean, Marvel's been getting pretty good at only showing you stuff like like all the Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness stuff. Almost all the previews was from the first act of the film, yeah. as it turned out. So maybe they'll be doing that here, too. All right, what's next? From Mike Dude, thoughts on Secret Wars getting delayed again? I didn't hear about it getting delayed. I mean, I think they said that it was pushed another six months like a year apart but wasn't now. that like yeah. four or five months ago unless something happened that? today i mean look here's the thing i i never blink too much at these movies that are still two or three years away or four years yeah away. or four i mean so i don't really give any thought to that at all i mean because that then becomes a part of the overall scheduling of the mcu where i get a little bit more concerned is when a movie is nine months away and then they say oh we just moved it by eight months yeah. then i'm like what the hell but yeah. yeah that really nothing to see here i don't think all right what's next from Luis Martinez. Hey guys, so it's the year 2023. I don't know if anybody noticed, but we finally reached the year's endgame. The year endgame takes place, which was five years after Infinity War. Um, in actuality, here, give me a, a second, Jonathan. Here, but going to have you bring up uh, bring up my NDI. I had actually put up on. Yeah, you can bring it up now. I was I actually put up on my Twitter. I saw this this thing. Remembering Avengers Endgame starts in 2018, then jumps ahead five years to 2023. <laughs> Realizing that 2023 is now here. Uh, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird. But I remember us talking last year about the fact that, you know what? We always thought when Endgame was coming, I was like, how are they going to handle that the, suddenly now the MCU takes place five years in the future? It's like, they're not. All the stories are just going to happen in a very finite period of time. And we're just going to catch up to where they are in the MCU. Yep. They are now present day, but it it is weird. Man, you want to feel a little bit old. Oh, wow. They jumped ahead five years. That's now. That's uh, all right. All right. Hmm. What's next? From Uncle Drew sending a $20 super Thank chat. you, Uncle Drew. 
Uh, have any of you guys played Ghost of Tsushima? Mm -hmm. It's not nearly as popular as The Last of Us or God of War, but was extremely well received. Yeah. Will the success of video game adaptations open the floodgates for games like these? You've oh. played this, Jonathan? Yes. Me and too. It. Oh, you beat the yeah. game. It's beautiful. It's honestly the most beautiful game I've ever played art-wise. Art I, I, I totally agree. It's amazing. I even have a great six-scale figure from it. Yeah, well, you know, we got the PlayStation 5 in the other room. Maybe I should download we, that. It's, a, it's, it's uh, amazing. I, I don't want to alarm you, John, but it's on there. Oh, you've but, already put it but, on there? But I will tell you, I will tell you, it. the controls at first can be very complicated and fig figuring out your stances for different, pe different people you're fighting and everything. Yeah, I can, well, I already know what's going to happen. I'm... I've because I've I've watched a bunch of stuff of Ghost of Tsunami, but but uh, Shishima, I should say, but I've never played it. And I've, so I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. The next couple hours, I'm going to get excited about going in and trying the game, <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to start the game. And go, wow, this is beautiful! And within five minutes, I'm going to be throwing controllers against walls. So uh, but you watch, your... you'll watch someone play games. Oh like, yeah, I love watching us, people play games. Last yeah. of Us, I'll never play just because it's not my type of game. But if Jonathan were playing it. I'd watch him play the whole time. Oh yeah, you would because I'm yeah. good at it. No, but it's also very—it's a heartbreaking game too. The story is is beautiful and heartbreaking. Yeah. By the way, I just—I—I I, want to for those of you guys who don't follow me on Twitter, I do want to show this other thing to, to properly give you context. So if you want to bring up my NDI here uh -huh. again for a second, this this perfectly embodies me playing a console video game. Okay, you ready? All right, here we go. Give me, give it a second here. Wait for it to start over again. Oh, Ghost of Tsushima this is really nice. Oh, it is really pretty. All right, oh. here we go. This is me trying to figure out a console game right here. Yeah, okay. No, I got to do this. No. And uh, fuck this. That's me. That's that's totally me trying to play a console video game. All right. What's next? From, oh, if we can scroll. That baby. From Chuck the Mystery. Do uh, Did you guys ever get a chance to watch the outfit? Yep. Mark Rylance was fantastic in that. Excellent film that is all in one location. It's great. What did you think? I loved it. I mean, it's and Rylance is great. It's it's you know it's a really clever movie. I love one location movies. So it's do really I. it's really really good, and it's surprising. It's not what I expected. It's, and Mark Rylance is fantastic. So I have to get around to watching this at some point because all I love the cast him. I love I won Love Location what, movies. What's it on? I don't know what it's. I have the disc. So oh. is, is it an Amazon thing? Mm. The outfit I can't remember. Guys in the live chat, do you remember who it is? Or where it is. At any rate. All right. What's next? From Vixter5001, you can currently try three months of uh, MUBI. Which one is that? Movie? A movie, in, yeah. Um, US, UK for a dollar or a pound. Decision to leave after Sun and some other great films on there. Bargain. I have no I idea what, what MUBI is. I've never it's heard a, of it. It's another streaming service. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And they have stuff like that. There's yeah. so many. Like I just saw ads for like something called Freevee. Which yep. I think used to be IMDb TV. Yeah. Is that is that the it one did. that they changed? That's where that horrible hotel for the holidays Christmas movie I watched. Oh, is that was where on. they did yeah. it? So there's Freebie. And then I saw a couple more other ones that are out there now too, and I can't remember. They're coming up all over the place, man. All right, what's next? From Alan Gonzalez. I have a lot of my friends very, very excited for the Mario movie. I think it's gonna be big. Heck yeah. Looks yeah. great. I am be huge. Getting, I have to admit, I am getting pretty excited for it. We, we, Anne and I went to go see. What did we go see the other night? I can't remember which. Oh, I, that's right. She hadn't seen Avatar yet, so we went to go see Avatar the other night. And again, they played the new trailer for Mario, and I'm just like, 
Yeah, damn it. This is this actually looks like it's going to be really good. Because you know me, I've been kind of apprehensive a little bit. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine. I've been a little bit apprehensive about it. But I'll tell you what, the more and more I watch about this, the more I'm starting to become convinced that this is going to be kind of magical. I mean, I won't know that till I see it. Yeah. But I'm getting pretty excited about it. All right. What's next? From uh, Devin Pangricar. Uh, Sorry yeah, if I you butchered go. your name. Uh, some support. And from Mark24 Gaming Support. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to those of you guys who sent in the Super Chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Uh, don't forget, guys, a little bit later today, we're going to be doing a little play and chat. Uh, I don't know exactly what play and chat we're going to be doing. Uh, play and chat is basically just open mic, except we're going to be answering your questions while we're playing a video game. So I don't know. I have no idea what game it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be more Mario Kart. Maybe we'll try Marvel again. Maybe I'll load up uh, <laughs> Breath of the Wild Stray. or Stray. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Hopefully you guys will come back and join us and hang out with us a little bit as we just sit around and chat and play some video games. And of course, don't forget to come back again next week as the John Campy Show continues. Guys, thanks so much for being here. So for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett with the wet cam again, <laughs> Ray Aura over there, Taylor Gonzalez running the show, Jonathan Boyko, and of course, the magnificent Chris Carr. I'm not doing it. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my brethren, bye-bye. <laughs>